Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead. And I am Nathan from Nathan Does Beer. Yes, you are. And welcome to episode 136 of Beer Another Shit Podcast Adjunct Series. Nate, we have a special one. Do we always have a special one? We do. The special. We do always have a special one. <laughs> we sure do. This brewery has been on this. This is a fourth appearance on the pod, if I'm not mistaken. This gentleman is a friend of mine. He is uh, one of my favorite people in beer, uh, one of my favorite breweries in the province. Um, any other like superlatives I can lace on him? Uh, g- g- solid beard, uh, great hugger. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Big fan of uh, lactose. Two, two, yep, uh, like two time, uh, like two times on our uh, Ontario top ten breweries. Oh yes, and which is both the two times we've done it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, twenty twenty three. I think it's going to happen. Let's bring him in. Please, guys, welcome a gentleman I know as Uncle Jeff of Town Brewery in the building. Jeffrey, welcome. welcome, Gentlemen, how are you? Better now. Better now that I'm seeing your face. You gorgeous, sun-kissed man. Yeah, really. (laughs) A little bit of summer going on, working on some stuff outside lately, uh, feeling like a real real, uh, worker, so... I love it. Blue collar. It's a blue collar podcast. Goddamn it. Blue collar guy. <laughs> First time seeing you face to face. Excited to uh, finally uh, converse with you outside of an email. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, great to finally meet you. This has been uh, long overdue. I'm excited uh, to have the chance to hang with you. Yes. This sure. is going to, I feel like it's going to get wild. I was just saying, because, uh, we're going to get ridiculous. We've got some fantastic beers and a great convo coming up tonight. So let's crack something open now, and we'll uh, we'll get Yap and Jeffrey where we started, my man. Well, we sent you guys a bunch of beers. Uh, I just got home from work, uh, and I think that uh, the after-work beer, the the choice of our staff currently is our quick one lager. Uh, oh. So one is where we're going to need to start. I'm not going to lie to you. I already opened mine. I couldn't wait. I got it. In my <laughs> it's glass. okay. Had a boy. I've been trying really hard to uh, to keep it in the glass. There, I got about half left. So, mate, don't even sweat it. Now, this beer is a uh, a regular um, at town, and it's your 4.2. percent uh, Would you say this is like a light American lager type of thing? Uh, or, more or not of a quite. You're really German uh, lager. Okay, sick. Yeah, I mean. German lager yeast, uh, German pills and malt. We hop it with uh, American hops, but kind of like noble-esque American hops. Okay. It's really based around just a nice kind of smooth. We wanted it to be an easy drinking lager, but we don't, you know, I I really shy away from getting into the, um, I don't know, I don't want to say tasteless, but the... um, I know what you mean. The, uh, yeah. You know I mean? The, the American lager category that can be really kind of like nondescript. Yep. Um, so this is like our, you know, like you said, 4.2%. Um, it's a nice beer. It's not super uh, hoppy. It's not uh, super bitter, but it definitely has some hop presence. And uh, yeah, it's just a nice drinking, easy drinking lager. I love it. Great name too. I feel like yeah, your yeah, whole, it is a great name. Your names, which we'll get through as we go through them tonight, I feel like you've like 
really got some I, I, I don't know if they were always like this maybe there's something we can talk about i just feel like they're just being they're extra like witty and, and just like funny and super relevant you think about it for a second the and, quick oh. one is uh just like a straight up port perry uh all my buddies from port perry refer to every beer they've ever had as a quick one yeah of course because yeah. you always got time for a quick one so uh we took that slapped it on this beer and and we get that in us i love it boys cheers jeffrey great to see you again cheers man. Great to see you guys too. I hope you love it. Delicious. I love it. Um, mm -hmm. It's got the nice. Um, it's it's like a. It's like in a. I feel like it's got all of the. It's light enough. Is really what I'm trying to say that it's it's only four point two. So it's like t tons of flavor for the uh, ABV, but it's like it got way more flavor than it deserves than it than it should have yeah. for four point two. Um, yeah, so we're, and it's, we've, we've been tweaking this beer for like two years, just trying to make it like really get it where we want to want it to be. Mm. We thought it was in a really good spot. And then actually recently two people, one of them was, uh, Mike Lackey from GLB. We did a collab with him like two weeks ago and I gave him one and he was like, Oh my God, the hop, the hop character on this beer is fantastic. I'm like, fuck man, coming from that dude. I was like, this guy's a goddamn legend. I'm like, yeah. if he likes our buggers, that's kind of sweet. And then, uh, fuck, who is the other person? Uh, oh, Dave, Logger Dave from Elora. Oh, uh, nice. Elora. Oh, yeah. And he was like, oh, that's really nice. I'm like, man, your nickname's Logger Dave. So if you like our logger, then um, then that feels pretty sweet too. So, no, we're pretty proud of this beer. We got it in the LCBO now. Uh, it's around all the time. It's our uh, biggest selling beer in the tap room. Really? Uh, mm. I mean, Wait, probably staff only. Um, <laughs> no, it's just like it's it's a beer that, to be honest with you, when we first said this is the idea of this beer, we got to make this beer. It was more of that kind of like easy drinking, everybody can like it kind of beer. And then as it evolved, and, and you know, we fell deeper and deeper in love with pilsners and and good German lagers. We're like, you know what? It shouldn't just be like a forgotten beverage it should be a well-crafted representation of kind of what we want to do and that, i feel like that's where we got it now so i'm stoked that's amazing man so but i would say so it's definitely like it's definitely got uh like got a notable um like i feel like it's got a notable german character to it like uh, like you were saying it does not feel like an american light lager it doesn't no. have Kind of like the like, like the light watery taste, and not not to shit on American mm. lagers, uh, like they, they serve their place as well. I prefer something uh, like something like this, that something that Me has. Too. It's even though it's even though it's light, it does have a robust malt character to it, uh, yeah. like which is uh, like, and it's and it's no less uh, crisp mm. and refreshing as a, like as a result. Like this is really really nice. Yeah, we uh, I I'm a huge fan of uh, like malty German lagers. I I do love my mm -hmm. I also love like nice malty golden lagers from Germany, um, and anywhere really. But um, it was kind of like a balance between that, but not make it too sweet. And to be honest with you, it's all Cascade hops. That's all it is. Wow, uh, mm. just uh, a pretty heavy-handed dose. Like brewing a lot more prisoners too. We've realized just how much hops can go into a fucking pilsner um and just for flavor purposes only um i mean to be completely honest you know we've been making ipas and stuff since we opened but really haven't been focusing on lagers for maybe the last two years or so and uh the amount that we've learned in that time has been wild hmm. i mean read and read and read and read but until you're doing it 
You got no idea. Yeah. No, you got to keep testing. Big Money is the other one I love. I think it's a dry hop. Big, mo- Big Money's great. Yeah. That was, uh, that was uh, the Hellas Lager we made a few years back. And that, again, was like, that was that one was based around, um, and that was our old uh, head brewer, Andy, and that one was based around just like a nice, malty backbone. Um, mm. Didn't be too hoppy, but it was just one of those nice, kind of like easy-drinking, German-inspired lagers. And uh, mm. yeah, we got... Uh, that was a nice beer, super nice beer. I remember that one. I, I remember like each batch. Actually, Big Money second batch was like the one, the nails. Yeah, yeah. I think I had both of them too. That was we had a plant, a, a money tree. We called it Big Money, so it was hilarious. <laughs> I think that's when I got it. Sorry, Nate, to cut you off. No, that's all right. Uh, so it, it, this one, um, and, and I might be mixing it up with a different uh, with a different beer, but uh, was this one in short cans at one point? It was, yeah. We did a we did a short can run. Again, we do these things that we're like not not really sure anyone actually wants or cares about, but our stuff do. So we're like, yeah, like well, I'm going on a golf trip and Travis is going on a fishing trip, and it'd be pretty sweet to have short cans, a quick one when we're doing those things. And maybe we should just do a run of short cans and see how it uh, how it fares. No one really seemed to care all that much. There's a, that's also a debate at the brewery is like short can versus tall can. It's like a big heated debate for absolutely no reason. <laughs> um, and we're like, all right, well, we'll throw some in some short cans and see if anyone cares. And like some people did, but it was it was just mm. kind of whatever. But it's a beer we're focusing on, and 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 we're getting like good traction in LC or on, uh, the LCBO and licensee. Mm. So probably more formats are are likely going to happen, like shorts and and talls, but. At this point, it's just hard to juggle. So you'll probably see tall cans for the next little while. But um, my money says that uh, we've got some short can labels in storage that are going to go to use at some point. I love that. Love to see it. I love short cans, particularly of like lagers. Like I don't know. I've I've appreciated them. Tall cans. Everything has their place, right? Like, but I uh, I think I even noticed Muskoka did a, a short version, the regular tall can, then the extra tall can, not quite the stove pipes. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. a. Like a five sixty eight mil or something. Yeah, or yeah, something like that. And like you know, in the states, they're really big on the like last couple times I was there, stove pipes. They call them with a. I think they're like yeah. nine nineteen ounces or something. Yeah, uh, and well, even some, uh, like and even for big shit too, like the, the, like big barrel age ten fifty in a stove pipe or something like mm, that, like twelve percent mm. worth. <laughs> they did it first, I think. I, you're so right, and it's so ridiculous. That there's a barrel age, like yeah, twelve percent, whatever it is, stout in a big ass uh, can like that. It's interesting all the formats, and we've also talked here a lot about like the eight ounce mini cans of like anything, oh, yeah. you know, north of ten percent. So like, I like a beer is a beer, so I just count like my beer, my the number of cans that go into my recycling bin is <laughs> my wife. Yeah, yeah. Night. So I'm like, if they're short cans, there's just I had more beers. If they're tall cans. <laughs> <laughs> we were at a show. We were at. We went to see Pup at uh, what's it called now? Bud Bud Stage in Toronto oh. last day, and they sell the fucking. It's like a seven hundred and forty mil can of uh, Bud and Bud Light, and I was like, man, this is this is awful. But uh, I mean, imagine how warm that'll be. I would not be mad at a quick like a six hundred and forty milliliter quick one can. Like not at all. I feel like there's certain beers. There's only Krispies can really work in that. No one wants that much of haze or it's too much. Right. And, you know, if you did the stout, like Nate, you mentioned the bit 10 footy, you'd want to share that. Like the lagers though, you know, if they're going down that quick. 100%. Not, 
you know? When I was I was in the States like a month ago, and do you guys remember the fucking, um, the like pan bottles with the twist on lid? Like yeah. Miller made them and uh, Coors Light made them. They're I know like what you're talking about. It's, but it's, a, it's shaped like a bottle and you can screw the lid back but it's on. all aluminium, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We, uh, I, uh, we're, we were golfing and I was drinking uh, Miller Lights in the spin, the, like the resealable can. I was like, but bro, we need these. We need these. <laughs> we need a quick one in a resealable can. But that's uh, money. Yeah, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Yeah, never. I wonder if there's like laws against that here, or is it just practicality? We had them here. I just don't know if they got popular. Like, yeah, you know, the breweries made them and whatever. Could be a fun little yo. Another fun gimmicky, and I say gimmick in like a really um, positive way because you know all three of us are into ridiculous gimmicky shit. Um, you did the sick run of the stubby bottles. Oh, of, the um, that was what, shit was wild. Yeah, what's tell us about that? That's sick. So. I just love beer bottles, to be honest with you. Like when I uh, when I take all my town empties back to the beer store, and they offer me my you know twenty dollars back. I just always redeem it for some bottles of High Life, and I just like love sitting on my driveway drinking beer out of a bottle. It's just like I don't know whether it's nostalgia or what it is, but it's just like beer bottles are awesome. So I tossed out the idea mm-hmm. uh, to tra- like our sales and marketing manager Travis and Mike, our head brewer. And we're like, let's do a stubby. Like, it'd be so fun and cool. We could do a stubby and then we'll put like a retro looking label on it. And uh, I don't know, it all just kind of pieced together. And we did like, for that beer, actually, we did more of like a, like a malty lager. It definitely had some hop flavor to it, but it wasn't overly bitter or anything. But um, it's just kind of like a one-off. Hmm. We bottled it. And the only bottling machine that we have at the brewery now is just like an open air gravity filler so the only thing that you can do to reduce oxygen is to bottle condition it so uh we didn't really like i mean we'd set it in our post but we didn't really like you know talk about it that much but that was like a bottle conditioned lager that was bottle conditioned for like five weeks after we bottled it um and then we were releasing it for may 2 for as like a nostalgia thing yeah there you go and the labels were like white and red it was like uh I don't know, very Canadian, stubby, kind of long weekend vibes. And we're all stoked, so stoked. And then three days before, we're like, man, are we the only person that cares about this? Like, maybe no one's going to give a shit that we're putting, like, a lager (laughs) in a stubby bottle. And then we're like, fuck, like, Volo puts loggers in stubby bottles all the time. Like, is this just, like, will anyone care about this? And then, uh, so we stressed out for about three days and then we released it and it's the fastest song beer we've ever, we've ever sold. People went, wow. Yeah. So does that mean? We priced it well. We did some like marketing behind it, but I mean, people were fired up about, uh, about the stubby big time. We did a collab with, uh, Troy at Badlands and we released the stubby and the, and the, uh, the collab IPA on the same day. And I got a text from Troy. And I was like, oh, Troy, I was like, oh, it's probably about our collab. And he's like, no, it was like about the stubbies. He's like, dude, those stubbies, those, those look so great. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean they're going to make a comeback? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I wouldn't push like, I wouldn't push anything out of the realm of possibility at this point. I mean, like I mentioned to you guys before, it's just like, 
it seems to be that people are just grinding harder and harder for kind of the same result these days. It's not, uh, it's not as easy. I, I don't think out there anyways, and all the different collabs and, and conversations I've had with other breweries and brewery owners and stuff. It's like, it's just a lot more work for the same result these days. And, and people are going out and they're trying different things. You'll see it, you know, um, stubbies, different formats, different types of beer, you know, there's all kinds of different things that people are doing because it's uh it's a it's a little bit more of a grind out there these days i find yeah yeah we were talking about that off air fuck well just get into that now so do you like does it seem like that like uh you know like doing really cool unique things like that whether it's um you know doing a run of quick ones in in the short cans or stubbies or whatever it might be is like being that like craft beer has arguably hit a saturation of ridiculous or fun ideas like you almost can't get people's attention anymore like lactose used to piss people off so you did milkshake ipas and they got mad and and then yeah. it got attention like i don't even know what you can do to get people's attention now with the product itself so that kind of leaves packaging so yeah i don't, I don't know i think it's just like it's uh you could get i don't know whether so it's a, it's a, it's, that's a well put question. Um, I don't know whether or not you can not like surprise people with the liquid that you put in the, in the cans or the bottles anymore. But I, I honestly think it's just like less and less people give a, give a shit about the, like, not the actual liquid. People obviously care about what the liquid is in there, but like, there's a lot less like hardcore. Uh, I don't want to say beer nerd in a bad way, but like people who are going to up for beers people who are like really really interested in like the the finite details of um you know this beer or that beer or or any of that people are like we're finding that people are buying a lot more of like the same beers like square wheels people are coming in and they're buying six square wheels instead of buying like two of this ipa two of that ipa and mm -hmm. two square wheels. i don't know whether it's an economy thing whether it's like people you know everything's expensive right now you're paying a buck 70 for a liter of gas you're paying three grand rent to live in a one bedroom apartment i mean like people are spending a lot of money these days and like five and six dollar beers are difficult to purchase and like people can do it but do you like take the chance like do you take a chance on a beer you've never had or, or flavor profile that you've never experienced or ingredients that are like you know, super crazy. I mean, some brewers are doing it really, really well. I mean, I think of Blood Brothers probably comes off the top of my head where they're doing all kinds of different stuff and they're definitely getting traction on it and definitely like creating a buzz. Um, but I think that just people are looking outside of just the liquid as a way to create a buzz and into more things. It could be packaging. It could be, you know, this event or that event. Um, but just like different ways to get people's attention because it's almost like there's less eyes looking on us to see what we do. And you got to go out and find eyes now. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. So on the note, I love this. This is interesting. You're saying this part specifically about um, there's less beer nerds. Is that like a quantitative fact or are you just sort of like, is that like a, a feeling you're getting based on taproom? Yeah, I feel like it's fully anecdotal. Um, and that's okay. But I mean, like, I feel like, even for me, dude, like I often, I often like, you know, my buddies aren't just like the average person, but they're fairly, uh, I just would say like, you know, average. As far as what, beer <laughs> interests? Like um, but I like think about them and I'm like, man, you know, they really cared about beer and what we we're doing and the liquid that we were producing and all that more like the last five years. But now it's like, 
a lot of beer nerds, like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm 38. And uh, I mean, obviously I'm in it every day, but uh, people who aren't in it every day, you know, kids and mortgages or rent or whatever other financial or social stresses that are on them. I don't know if they're staying in beer, whether they care about it as much, whether they found something that they like. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to buy square wheels and that's easy. You know, I, I spent my time going out and looking for different beers and that kind of thing. And so I think some people are kind of aging out of it, which is I think natural and it's going to happen. But my fear is uh, getting new people. Cause I kind of mm. feel like young people don't, they don't have that same kind of like connection to craft beer and that drive to get involved in craft beer. And, and I don't know what we're doing to lose those people or whether it's just not something that, you know, is that people are getting into anymore. I don't really know. I'm not giving any answers here, but I'm like, uh, you know, these are the things that we are constantly thinking about. And it's like, you know, you have, you have different things to worry about being a business owner or you have different things to worry about just running a business and gaining new customers and marketing. But it's like, who are you marketing to, I guess. Mm. That makes that no, hundred percent. Nah, brother. No, no, yeah. you make complete sense. It's interesting. I mean, that's part of the problem. I think is this, the shit that uh, we do with link up where, you know, I think we need, you know, three white dudes with beards talking about beer needs to get beyond yeah. that or like that's one physical limitation like forget the social side of it like the actual business limitation is that if there's only one group of people typically attracted to it it's never going to grow beyond a thing and then there's been some sort of weird stigma around craft beer that it's for pretentious dickheads and blah 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 and that's like that's the worst thing and that's like when we uh when we from day one when we hired we're like you know we're in whippy so we're 40 minutes outside of toronto uh and we're like you know, we want to look and feel like we're a brewery in Toronto, but we don't want to have, and I, I don't want anyone from Toronto to take this the wrong way, like the Toronto vibe, because you go to places in Toronto and they're awesome. But like you they did have this stigma of like this, like city, too cool for school. If you don't know what to order, you're an idiot. And, you know, that's intimidating for people, right? So we wanted yeah. to have this like, very open, very welcoming um kind of like vibe and the other thing that people often don't talk about in terms of like inclusivity is like how much fucking money our beer costs like it's very hard for people you know you're you're targeting a socioeconomic bracket that is not average uh you know when we're producing a liquid that costs kind of the amount that like we can charge and i'm not saying like you know we're ripping anyone off or anything like that but i mean a lot of the products that uh, we're producing are, are expensive products, right? And mm. it's like, so is there a way to make cheaper beers that cost cheap, sorry, beers that cost less for us to make, make them really well? And I mean, we're not going to compete with like, you know, the macro breweries or we're not going to compete with even a lot of like regional craft breweries, but like, you know, can we put Fidelity in a can for 365 plus tax instead of 450 plus tax? Or can we put quick one in a can for 335 plus tax rather than, you know, $4 plus tax. And it's like, these are the things where it's like, if we, for a while, anyways, it was like, it didn't seem that, not that you could do no wrong, but it's like, you make beer, you sell beer and the world goes on. And now it's like, not everyone's coming back and uh, we need to find new customers. I mean, that's, that's literally just like any business in the entire world. You're not going to retain all of your customers. You're going to lose customers and you're going to have to find new customers. 
but like that's the thing in craft beer i think right now is like we're all needing to do more to find those new customers they're not just coming to us and i think like the initiatives like you did with link up uh craig and and a lot of the other kind of like inclusivity things are focused around a lot of um obviously different social issues but you got to think like there, there's more to it than that even do you know what i mean yep Totally. There was, uh, we've like hypothesized in the past before about uh, obviously the last three years put a whole, you know, wrench in the, in the works with everything um, and all sort of maybe disposable income and spending and such, then add inflation, then add potential recession and, and you know, rents and stuff going up, groceries going up, pay not going up in line with that. Um one of the theories I've said this a million times on here, but I feel like you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, everyone went nuts. All the brews like, "Fuck yeah, that's good." Everyone's spending crazy money and then getting double IPAs, and then now all of a sudden, a year later, they're fat and broke and like, "Oh fuck, now I can't be drinking beer." Man, so that's I, true. I feel like, dude, like, dude. I mean, we were selling during the pandemic. We almost bought a can. Like, we don't have a canning line. We use Northern Canning. They're fantastic. They come in every week and they take care of business. During the pandemic, we were getting to a point where we're like, every beer we were putting out was in a can. And we're like, we're crazy if we yeah. can buy a canning line, for real. But a canning line is not just like you're going out and buying, you know, lunch. You're spending <laughs> over 100 grand. You're spending probably over 200 grand um, on this piece of machinery, right? Mm-hmm. And and I know that there was breweries that went out there and they spent that money. And then, and then kind of like the market adjusted and you're not doing as many cans. And now you're kegging stuff and like... We, we were very, very close to pulling the trigger and we didn't. Now we're maybe getting to the point where we should start looking at it more seriously again. But it's just like, man, the pandemic was, was you know, it was fucked for everybody. I mean, as a, as a brewery owner, I feel very, very lucky because we didn't get hammered the way that restaurants did. We didn't get hammered the way that a lot of other industries did or professions did, nurses and doctors and all that. But like, we were very, very lucky, but it was just it's still obviously hard to navigate. And it was mm. like, we were feeling the effects of that to this day and uh yeah definitely changed the landscape i just feel like a lot's changed and we're we spend like myself and travis and caitlin and mike caitlin's our taproom manager mike's our head brewer um we spend like a, a a good chunk of time just being like where are we going who are we what are we doing why are we doing it like how do we continue to exist into the long-term future because Things are just changing and that's it. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be like a negative doomsday or anything. And I, no, I no. you know, hopefully not coming across not like that. I just feel like it's changing a lot, which to be honest with you is, is probably a good thing. The one thing though, that yeah. I think we really need to stay focused on is like craft beer got cool because it was good and it was different. And we mm. just need to make sure that craft beer stays good, stays better then your normal option and it stays different than your normal option. Cause if it's not better, it's not different then it's just the same shit and people won't care. Facts. Yeah. And it's also uh, like, like you were saying, we're like, we're, we're, we're kind of in uncharted waters right now. It's like, we're kind of uh, like normal life is kind of feeling like it's kind of feeling a little more comfortable right now, but like you said, but like you're saying, everything has st- like everything has still changed, and as we kind of settle in 
like and I, I hate to use that like the horribly tired phrase of new normal um, that's uh, <laughs> like the, the, the like that's come back but that is kind of what it is now you know new normal isn't what it was uh, like in 2021 or 2022 as kind of things are really kind of getting back to what normal life is now. It's kind of like the important questions that you're asking are, you know, where do you find like these new, like these new customers, like who's the new people coming through the door. Um, that's re like, that's replacing the ones who have either cut alcohol out of their life uh, for whatever reason, or uh, like, or have uh, like just kind of moved on from uh, like from crappy, or they're spending money on different things, or they've uh, cut down on it a lot because, like you say, they've st like they've started families. There's a lot of that, like a lot of that has gone on. Those factors, like those factors, have changed, and kind of here we are, like business owners like yourself, trying to like trying to navigate that, and it's. That they, like you can't really draw on any economic patterns of the past to find an answer for that. So it's, mm. no. uh, yeah, it, it, like it's it's got to be tough out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's it's not even that it's. Uh, I mean, it's tough. I mean, like work is tough. Everybody's job is tough, and there's there's <laughs> a lot of jobs in the world that are a lot harder than what we do. But it's like, yeah, it's just different, and it's uh, you know. The amount we the amount of time that you that you spend marketing to the same group of people who are who are coming and buying your beer every week and that's your bread and butter. But you know if you're just selling beer to the same people every week, um, that you that you don't really stand a chance to grow. I mean that's just like simple. Yeah. Um, yeah. For us, it's just like okay, who who do we who who can we communicate with and how are we going to get their attention? Because forever it was make wild beers explain them really well hammer on the beer nerds and that's how we're going to expand our footprint or our, our sales but now you know we're maybe to the point where most people who are really into beer have an idea of who we are it's like okay well where do you go from here mm, right so we're marketing yeah. a subset of people who are like really into beer and then you're trying to market to people who maybe you know, their last experience with a craft beer was drinking, uh, I don't know, a Mill Street, right? Well, giving them a, a two-paragraph description about your beer and the hops that are in it and, uh, you know, the terroir that it was grown in, they're like, I don't even know what any of this shit fucking means, right? Yeah. Like, so it's like, how do you get new people interested? And again, I just can't say enough. Like, we have to continue to be different and we have to continue to be better because that's where I feel like I love the lager resurgence. And I love a great Pilsner. I love a great lager. Um, but my one fear that I, I mean, uh, if Travis sees this, he's going to, he's going to uh, hate me because he's heard me say this over and over and over. But it's like, my fear is that we don't make really great lagers as a, as a, I mean, I think we do, but my fear is that we continue to move towards just like making those tasteless uh, American loggers and really just trying to market to everybody. And then you're just making the same thing. It's not better. It's not different. It's just the same thing. So I love the lager resurgence. I love like really well-crafted pilsners and there's so many in the province, but I want to, like, I, I fear that craft breweries, like, because we're all working harder and harder and harder for kind of the same result. It's like, okay, well, how do we find new people? And it's like, my fear is that it's just like, Oh, well, we'll start marketing to the Bud Light guy. We'll start marketing to the crews like, or not marketing to them, but making the same product 
in the hopes that marketing to them is easier. And that's when I think it'll be a, it'll be a, um, not a no going back, but like, I think that would be a, a, a bad scenario for, for Ontario craft beer in general and just craft beer in general, because if you're, then you're just selling the same product and you're selling it on your story and, and maybe a brewery doesn't have a story or maybe it hasn't been around long enough to, to really, um, say much, but yeah, that's, again, that's just like my, like, that's my doomsday fear is that we just start making macro beer and everyone mm. it's like, Oh, well I could just yeah. for half the price and it tastes the same. And I don't really care about you guys or your story because you've given me no real reason to care. You're just kind of like marketing to me as a, as a, as a, as we used to call it back in the day, a yellow fizzy lager drink. Yeah. yeah. It's so f- interesting. The, the one thing I did see that on all of this back in the, when we did the future of craft beer podcast in January, the, um, one thing I took out of it was that they were saying that Gen Z, which is obviously the, the 20 year olds right now, they aren't drinking as much. So I don't no, know. They just aren't even like, even if you get them as a customer and you lose a 40 year old beer nerd who decided that after COVID he wasn't going to drink anymore, you're losing a guy who probably drinks 10 beers a week to a person who, drinks you know two beers a week right exactly right so then they're not drinking more so it's like well how do craft breweries move forward and one of the solutions presented from a bunch of articles i read uh like on mainstream press plus also like good beer hunting like beer websites i saw like i think it was cnbc or msnbc whatever uh had youtube videos on it and they were saying that craft breweries need to become craft beverage companies which is something that we can mm. segue in after the next beer to, to yeah. what you guys are doing but that includes seltzers uh that includes kombucha that includes non-alcoholic beer that includes uh like like um non-alcoholic seltzers as well like kind of the wellington water or city seltzer into dominion like yeah. so all these other different um revenue streams to tap into people who purchase beverages or anything to drink whether it's alcohol or not so that you can diversify those like you know maybe people will come in to if town had a non-alcoholic beer they could bring people in that way and then be like oh shit you do normal stuff too all right let's you know and yeah. and just bring them in so there's a, fam- a brand familiarity and 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 like some sort of comes back to what you said about the story like an alignment where they care a little bit because they love this non-alcoholic beer or they love this seltzer that you're making this lime fizzy water that's zero yeah. you know? and then they're just like it's cheap i can buy it by the case have something nice to have with dinner instead of I mean, if they're cutting down on drinking like I don't know. I feel like there's there's something to that. I don't know how practical it is for every brewery because there's a lot of R and D involved in that, yeah. and like, you know, it's it's interesting. And I but I think there's I think there's something to it. And the solution is not going to be like uh, one size fits all. Like every brewery is going to have to be like, well, you know, some like Bellwoods, like Collective, have moved in the direction of non alcoholic stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, Wellington have gone in the direction of the hop water. Which is yeah. pretty unique product, uh, but also took many years of R and D. We had them on recently, and they were telling us that. So, like, it's it's interesting. Sort of, there's you know, people have to figure out what that sort of looks like, and then we have to almost capture the new, like maybe the picture of a craft beer drink or the demo of a craft beer drinker now isn't what it used to be. And the three of us, I would consider all of us in the beer nerd category. We, I say that with love. We're all beer nerds, oh, yeah. You know, and like we we're already sold to though. Yeah, hey. I said, I said, there's not much I care. There's not many things I care more about 
Um, but you, you, you are hit the nail on the head. I mean, like we talk about that a lot is like, well, maybe we're just beverage makers and maybe we make all kinds of beverages. It's funny because we went out to Calgary. We started selling beer out in Alberta, Alberta actually last week. So we were in Calgary nice. for a couple of days and I was looking up different breweries and we talk about this so much. I immediately noticed I looked up one of the breweries in Calgary to go to, to check out their Instagram. And the first thing I noticed was that it said, uh, um, beverage company instead of brewery. And I was like, like right on their Instagram page. I'm like, that's very intentional. Obviously not a lot of people would notice it as much as I would, but that's just because I'm like looking for it. I'm like, Oh, that's definitely an angle. Then a flip side to that is like, if there's all these different beverage companies, there still has to be breweries because there will be people who are like, you know, who latch on to that. It was like, well, you know, this is my brewery and we just continue to make beer. And it's like, you know, I don't see Pilsner or Kelby becoming uh, a beverage company. I, no. I, I see them being a brewery, and I'm not comparing anyone to Pilsner or Kelby, but just to use them as an example, I mean, they've been around for hundreds of years, and it's like, um, you know, that's there's there's something to being a brewery and focusing on beer and continuing to just push in that direction. Um, because, again, there are beer drinkers, um, and then there's something to be said about going in and being a beverage company. And I, again, like Blood Brothers is doing a really great job of that. They've got their seltzers, they've got their beers, they're continuing to do a ton of sours and they also have their like canned cocktails. Um, and they do it all in a rad way that fits very with the, the, like none of their products don't seem like it should be from them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm, yeah. Is, is really like at the end of the day, who gives a shit mm. what you're making as long as it feels like you as long as it feels yeah. like you know it's a product that you should be serving and it's like a legitimate say town product um then then there's nothing wrong with that and we we struggle we no struggle i mean we we talk about that back and forth we did a um non-alcoholic like herbal tea it was like lemon lemon orange rose hips and hibiscus and we nice carbonated that canned it is awesome i drink like six of those a day um but it's like our priority is beer. And now that we're going into summer, like we made a batch of that in the spring. Now we're coming into summer. We have no tank space to do these teas. So it's become this like thing that we do every now and then. Um, gotcha. So that's difficult, right? But yeah, it's just like, it, I think it just has to be authentically that brewery, authentically you. And if whatever you make, I think like you'll, you'll, you can find success doing it. But again, it's like you just mentioned, Craig, it's like, you know, where do we find that? What type of craft beer drinker uh, or where are they? It's like it. But that's some of the things we talk about is like even not just craft beer drinkers, just beer drinker or just drinker or just anything is like, how do you if you can't get their attention with the liquid, how can you get their attention? And that's like, yeah. and that's what we started doing cocktails in the brewery. And we started uh, bringing it's in like, Celtics from collective and stuff. And we started doing food. It's like everyone fucking loves food. You turn on Netflix, there's a thousand food shows and there's zero beer shows. So yeah. like that physical show, everyone cares about food in the goddamn world, right? I mean, you get point. the way to people's hearts is with food. So it's like if they can come in and say, hey, have you heard of this town place? They serve great pizza now. It's like, no, I've never heard of it. I live in Whippy. I've lived here for five, six years while they've been open, but I've never been by. I've never had a reason to go by. But now, I, yeah. you know, they serve margaritas. I heard they serve pizza. So let's check it out. And then you might not get them the first or the second or the third time that they're there. But if they come back maybe a fourth time, maybe they try a beer because they, they're they like, you know what? I got, I've been to this place four times. I got to try that. I got to see what it's all about. 
And maybe you win them, maybe you don't. But at the end of the day, you just got to keep making good products so that when you do have your shot, hopefully it strikes with them, right? Hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. I know we're going to do the next beer because I feel like we've yeah. yeah. Just going to yeah. say we're, we're we're coming up on almost an hour, like on almost an hour in, and uh, like and it's it's because this uh, like this is just such engrossing conversation. We can keep uh, it going uh, right I after this it. beer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. You guys, uh, what do you want to drink next? Fidelity. Yeah, why not? The pills. Let's do it. Or do you want to get into something hoppy? Do we want to break it up like later on and have the pills later? We can bring the, the pills in. You right? tell me. You tell us, uh, Jeff. You are um, the master of our destiny this evening. It has is, is got some snap to it, so it's not like it'll get like overshadowed by the other beers. Why don't we try Microdose? Huh? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I actually haven't had this batch of, of Microdose, so. Hey, I'm excited for this one. I love this name, too, by the way. This is oh, oh, yeah, I love it, but <laughs> such a dope name. That was kind of what I was referring to earlier, that I just think that, like, you know, you've like really drilled into something with the naming of uh, well, we were like, we need to have a session and we need we need a session IPA and we need to name it microdose. I mean, obviously, it just makes sense. And then, uh, we're like, man, it'd be cool to have a session IPA in the LCBO in the spring as like a spring seasonal. And they're like, I don't know if we try and put in microdose, there's no chance they'll accept it. And they did, so microdose huh? is in the LCBO. You can microdose at your local LCBO. Look at that. <laughs> Taking advantage. Woof. Nice and hazy too, bro. Four point one percent. What are the um what are the hops in this uh, little sexy gem? Hops in this Citra, Strata, uh Belma. We actually did a batch. We did the the, the the weird thing is like we're having like a hop um like changeover. Um because mm -hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of our hops from last year lasted through kind of into the spring. Okay. And so we're getting into some just of last year's crop now. Um, so we made a batch of microdose in the fall. We made a batch of microdose in the spring. We made some slight tweaks to the hops. Okay. Um, but uh, Strata Citra, Belma is a cool hop that we've been using a little bit, dabbling with. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice beer. It's nice and hazy. Uh, it's light. It sure is. The body's not like... Uh, crazy light but obviously it's a four percent beer so it's not going to be it's not going to be nuts but uh have a sip let me know yes you. cheers big dog nathaniel i know i know you're taking cheers. those fire photos get that in your face boys hmm. what uh which day code did you guys get eighth of june eighth of june yeah okay so you got no i'm yeah. working on that from the last batch so we're actually drinking a different batch of beer right now Unfortunately, it's okay. not that much, different, but how does your guys taste? Mm. Mm. The body is fantastic. It's, I'm getting yeah, a lot of is. like what I was described as like chalky, um, which I yeah. love is like that real kind of dryness, I guess. Um, yeah. There's a little touch of greenness in there, which is something else that I'm a big, big fan of. Um, yeah. But like it's light. It's not, you know, that tongue stripping greenness, um, yeah. which I, I like it because it, it allows for um, longevity. Of the beer, you have to sit in there for significantly longer than if it didn't have it. Um, tons of juicy tropical fruit. Um, I feel like it's almost like it, it kind of almost feels like there's like sabro or something, like a touch of coconutty type no of but, uh, mm. a little bit from the Belma, but mm. Mm. I'll tell uh, I'll tell you something that I like about it. I so I uh, I generally honestly don't like session IPAs for the uh, uh, for the most part. 
Um, it's nothing to do with the ABV. It's more uh, like it's more of a body thing, and also that I like that I tend to find that um, IPAs when it starts to drop below the five percent range for me, um, the acidic citrus flavors really uh, like really start to become a lot more prominent. Uh, like they get a lot stronger, and when that combines with uh, like with carbonation that is more upfront, like in a lighter beer, it hits really harsh a lot of the times. Uh, yeah, like really with most session IPAs that like that I have. Um, and it like it, it that is obviously always going to be the case. Like you're never going to be able to fully. Uh, like to fully balance that out with uh, like with a beer that's uh, like 4.1 percent but um but the body on this is at, like is actually quite nice like yeah. i can definitely taste some acidic citrus in this but i'm not finding it as harsh as uh, like as i often do um uh, like with most other session ipas it's quite nice and i'm getting not just citrus but a lot of other tropical fruit yes. um like coming through with this as well, which uh, the fact that those other flavors are still coming through amidst the prominent citrus is uh, like is a good thing for me. Yeah, that's the thing. When you get, I mean, we we typically will ferment our beers. I would say on average a little bit further than most like big hazy IPAs. Um, we we lean into hop creep. We really want our our beers to fully, fully, fully ferment out before we go to package. So. I think a lot of our beers finish a little bit drier than some of the other, like I said, big hazy IPA uh, brewers, mm-hmm. which on a session makes it even more difficult because you're just starting with so much so much less sugar that it's just going to attenuate further naturally. Um, but yeah, this is actually, we don't use dextrin malt very often, but we did use some dextrin malt in this beer just to hopefully give it a little bit more um, body. But when it dries out like that and there's less residual sugars, all those fruit flavors, I mean, like hmm. if you've got a lot of sugar left and you've got these like nice tropical fruit flavors, they're going to taste like they're overripe, almost rotting fruit flavors. Hmm. When it's drier, they're going to taste underripe and a little more sharp. And when it's citrus, that's the prominent fruit and it's a underripe citrus. Well, then, yeah, it's going to taste a little bit kind of harsh, right? But this one doesn't seem to really do that. We also, I, just, hmm. I was just, up if you saw my eyes going i was like what did we switch that hop out for on the last one yeah it in as well um, say, on, in this one batch, in, or in yeah batch um which you probably get in maybe a little of that berry tropical kind of uh i always just i mean mosaic is called mosaic because it's just like an undefined amount of different mm-hmm. fruit flavors but um right. I really find that Mosaic does that. And we use a metric shit ton of Mosaic. I love that hop. It's probably my favorite hop. Although we've seen drastic changes from year to year uh, in the crops, um, it's never really let us down. Hmm. Feel that. So yeah. Citra Bell Mosaic. mosaic. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just confirming the hops because the Untapped had different hops listed here. Mm. Citra Belma Strata Mosaic, right? In this one. Yeah. Cool. Sorry. sorry i'm looking it up right now idaho okay. seven i'm looking at our uh i'm looking at our brew logs idaho seven nice sorry nate sorry for interrupting yeah no it's all right i was just gonna say um 
like one thing uh, like that I've learned about mosaic. One thing I always used to associate it with, was, like, was kind of like a feel of peach fuzz uh, was something that I always used to find with mosaic. Um, that like that was my own uh, like interpretation of it. But one thing that I've learned about mosaic largely from Troy with uh, like with his select. Um, series with like over the last couple of years with mosaic he talked a lot about uh, like how mosaic can create uh, like heavy blueberry uh, yeah. flavors which is not uh, like not a typical hot flavor that you would like that you would typically think of uh, so that's what uh, that made me think of when you're like when you're talking about kind of uh, the unusual flavor like berry forward flavors that mosaic can kind of uh, like can kind of add in there mm. for sure no, no, Mosaic's great. We we dry hop a lot with Mosaic. We dry hop a lot with Citra, obviously. Um, we'll whirlpool a lot with uh, Mosaic. Idaho Seven's a big one for us for uh, on the hot side in the whirlpool. Um, just get lots of pineapple and citrus, and then Strata is again. Strata is a lot like on the hot side, anyways. You get a lot of that berry, a lot of that like purple uh, kind of flavor, and it's uh, it's super nice as well. Hell yeah. Why did, and this is sort of something Nate was touching on before, because I knew Nate isn't a big fan of session IPAs. And typically I would find myself, and, and like, this is, I'm asking this in the sense of like, they are, it's almost just like marketing at the end of the day. Like why, like what is, what do you consider the difference say, between a session IPA and a pale ale? Cause I feel like they could, it's, that is essentially replaceable. I think you just, I mean, I think it's it's even weirder. I think like a session IPA is a light pale ale, really. I mean, like I just picture a session okay. IPA at four percent. I picture a pale ale at five, and I picture an IPA between six and eight, and a double IPA. Yeah, eight. and they're all interchangeable. Okay, I agree with that. That's fair. You can call it a light pale ale for sure. I mean, we made a four percent beer called Coast uh, a couple of years ago, and just called it a pale ale. Uh, it's really like you know. At the end of the day, like people have an idea of what it is. Um, I think for this one, we went with Session IPA because, again, this is like an LCBO beer that we did. We're like, oh, we'll take our first crack at a seasonal LCBO skew. And not to uh, down an LCBO beer drinker or, or, or say that they're any different than like the people who are going brewery to brewery, the craft beer nerds like we talk about. But um, find that like when there's so many beers on a wall, uh, to kind of stand out from one or the other beers, uh, really simplifying things makes the most sense. And when you say session IPA, I think like you really get an idea of what that beer is going to taste like. When you say pale ale, it's more generic. I mean, a 4% pale ale could be a lot of different things. Whereas a session IPA, I feel like is maybe a little more honed in, although interchangeable at the end of the day, like, fuck man, like, you know, IPA, like, what does an IPA even mean anymore? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's just so like bastardized here. Yeah. And especially, uh, and especially if IPA is the only, uh, the, like is really the only stylistic qualifier. Like if it's just saying India pale ale, there's so many things that that, like that, that could mean even just American IPA, it uh, like narrows it down, uh, like narrows it down a little bit. But, uh, but like you say, what the fuck does IPA mean? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like hoppy, hazy, hoppy beer. Hazy, hoppy, but not bitter beer. It's like, like you know, it's just IPA. People like IPA. Okay, I like I like IPAs. People will say that. Right? I just I like IPAs. Okay, well, what kind? Like ah, whatever. I like them all. Oh but God. it's but they probably don't mean that as a deterrent for people who don't like hoppy beers because that's a thing. 
And if it says session IPA, it could say pale ale and somebody who loves English pale ales could pick it up and drink it and be like, this is fucking disgusting. This isn't a pale ale. I like my English pale ales. But if it says session IPA, you're not getting the guy who, uh, for the girl who loves, you know, English pale ales to pick it up and, and expect uh, it to taste one way or another. So yeah. uh, you're just maybe marketing at a specific customer. But yeah, to answer your question in one line, there's no difference. Gotcha. And <laughs> thank you. No, that's As great. you might have noticed, I, I don't have many short-winded answers. So we well, this is why we're an unlimited time podcast, Jeffrey. We yeah. uh, longer the better, mate. I'm here for it. Okay, no, this is this is a really solid beer, dude. Like I'm, a, I'm personally, I love like whatever around the five-ish mark pale ales. I find that like that is something I'm attracted to, and I know that like other breweries have told me that like they've noticed what I was mentioning earlier about you know people spending too much and getting putting on too much weight from drinking double IPAs or pandemic the there's breweries have told me that they have specifically been working on their pale ales and you know low-end IPAs like six six five um sure. to get the bodies bigger to get the people who were previously drinking double IPAs all the time um and give them as close to an experience as they as they can with these lower ABV beers because they still want those flavors but I'm like oh the calories the extra calories yeah. is hitting them hard so they're like you know there, there's a huge spot in the market for, for stuff like this that has this great sort of body and that has those you know i'm burping and i'm getting that full beautiful hop wind through my nostrils it's uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> gorgeous uh, definitely like uh and i often like we're, we're we're so up our own ass we just think everybody knows what we what every beer that we make and what we do and this and that you know what i mean but i'm like yeah back and i'm like well when i started in drinking craft beer like what were the things that got me into it and it's not the things that are keeping me into it now like what are the things that got me into it and i was like session ipas i fucking love session ipas it's like i can go out and i can crush a bunch of these i don't drink a lot of them now i'm kind of like i love hazy ipas still six and a half percent square wheels is my jam i love that beer but i find if i'm going for like a five percent beer or four percent beer i'm generally going to reach for a lager mm-hmm. so i'm kind of Logger on the light end, IPA on the gotcha. on the higher end, and like that's where I sit. But like, if we just did what I like or what I do, we'd be closed already. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like it's not for me. So like, you know, we talked about that the other day. It's like little tiny tiny things. Like our our branding is very minimalist, and and you know, it's the name and the art, and that's great. But I'm like, when I first started into craft beer, man, I would take a can, and if it told me the story of that beer i would read that 20 times over and it was like one of the most engaging pieces that you could have and i'm literally holding this can reading it the entire time i'm drinking the beer and i'm like maybe that's something that we should look at if we're like trying to get people more interested in beer and people who have never experienced our beer or our brewery before and they look like oh that looks kind of cool I don't really know. Session IPA, never heard of it. It's $4 at the LCBO. That's a dollar more than any beer I've ever bought. Well, it's like maybe if there's a story, that'll get them into it. Maybe it won't. Maybe it will. But it's just like opening up our minds to think of ways to stop marketing to ourselves and stop start marketing to like the average person. Hmm. I like you that. Know? One of the things, this is like a good segue, one of the things I noticed that you've done recently, and I still haven't even like talked to you about this even via text, was your like a, a, a sub company, I guess, from uh, town, the, um, the Cider. Yeah, safe bet. Talk to us. Yeah, so I've been making cider in my basement forever. I fucking love cider, to be honest with you. And uh, yeah, it was something that we had been talking about doing for a long time. 
And uh, we just decided to do it. I mean, like, you know, uh, the paperwork's not that much. The difference, I mean, it's like, you know, we have all of the equipment to do it. So it was a pretty easy thing to do. Apply for the license, get the license, start making cider. And uh, so we've made like uh, three or four batches now. It's all really small batch, like less than a thousand liters a batch. We're bottling it all, bottle conditioning it all. Um, and it's gone really well. The dry cider was uh, when, was the first release that we did. It went over really, really well. Then we did some funky ones. We did a raspberry mint that was really good. Uh, it wasn't like a toothpaste mint. It was more of just like a fresh mint that kind of like accentuated the raspberry. Uh, we kind of quickly noticed that everybody loved that. Everybody loved one of those. Okay. And then like, all right, like after that 500 mil bottle, I've kind of had my share of raspberry mint cider, which is cool. It's fine. You know, like it just wasn't like uh, people weren't, you know, uh, lining up to have a hundred bottles. Um, the next one we put out was a blackberry ginger. It was like a blackberry Moscow mule inspired uh, cider, blackberry ginger and lime, which was really, really nice. Um the ginger again wasn't overpowering; it was just kind of fresh. Uh, and then we put out a couple of batches of the dry since, and uh, we got some other kind of funky ones um, planned. But we're also doing this uh, pump house, which is like this uh, lakefront uh, beer garden that we're doing in Whippy. Uh, and so that's going to be like a it's like a six thousand square foot outdoor beer garden. It's essentially just a, a full time patio. Uh, and we'll be doing our cider down there. So we're just kind of like in preparation of this summer and doing that. We're just doing a few batches of just the straight up dry for now. Um, so we can throw that in kegs, keg condition it and sell it at the, um, at the pump house. And then we'll likely look in the fall when we have a little bit more space to start like fucking around with some, some like more interesting kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's super fun and kind of like a uh, passion projecty at the same time as like people are really starting to dig it. We're getting licensees that are on it. Um, and it's kind of like taking off and becoming a thing. Um, but again, it's like, it can be difficult. We have, we're, we're very, very space restricted in our current building. Um, so it gets to a point where we're like, you know, we need to prioritize square wheels or quick one. Uh, over safe bet. So it kind of takes a back seat, but I can't wait for, um, you know, in the future when we can not worry about, you know, having to pull back on either thing kind of thing. That's, uh, that's fascinating. Okay, sick, man. So that's what I was going to ask about. I mean, we can get to the pump house thing in a sec, because that's definitely a whole other topic that we're going to dive into, because I don't yeah. know a lot about it. But the like, is there a way to brew the cider elsewhere or anything to give you sort of more to, to grow the brand faster or is that that becomes contracting and that's probably not really where you're leaning towards? Yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it's something that we could definitely do, I think, and we could contract it out. We could white label it, just, you know, throw our, our label on and sell it. I'm not like i I'm not like a, you can't do that or you're not craft. Like you're, you know, you can't do that or it's not legitimate kind of guy. Like fucking do what you need to do. Um, I've looked at it. I've thought about it. We haven't gone there yet. Um, it's more of like this small thing that we kind of like keep really close to us for now. Um, gotcha. And that, that will change. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? 
again, it's, it's always changing. It's like, how much time do we spend, you know, really trying to get this brand out or, or is this maybe something that we kind of hold close and dear and we've got two or three licensees in the Durham area and then we're serving in the tap room and, and, you know, 200 or 300 or 500 liters of bottles a, a month or whatever. Right. So it's kind of evolving. We're not pushing it to evolve quicker than it needs to evolve. Okay. Um, we're probably maybe in hindsight doing the opposite, but, uh, and pulling the strings back, but it's something that like we're really proud of and it's really fun. Um, and we just want to make sure that anytime we're, we're, we're doing it, it's like getting the proper care and time and attention that it deserves. We don't, we don't want it to become like an afterthought. Hmm. Yeah, I get that. That makes sense that, that you are keeping that. There's something to be said about that. Like, I agree with you that it's probably better to keep it like in house and then grow it maybe more organically rather than like, you know, contract it out. At least you can be a little more, um, you know, whatever anal about the, the quality, which yeah. is important. You guys have never done the contracting thing anyway. So wow. kind of wouldn't make sense to do it now. And it's just more like, hopefully, I mean, is there space in the current, um, brewery for more tanks to sort of grow that out or not really? Not really. Okay. No, so we're, we're pretty tapped. Okay. Our What's definitely tapped our chiller. You can probably hear it screaming from here. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's tapped out, but it's, I'm not against contract. Like if it's something that, you know, we go to say the pump house this year and, and people are really, really digging the dry and we can find a facility that will do it to, you know, our expectations and maybe we can do one brand in cans or something like that. Again, not against it, but, um, it's, it's really weighing, you know, whether it can push the needle in terms of like growth and, and gaining new customers and doing all of that kind of stuff uh, is, is a huge positive. Um, but that release of control is a, you know, a small negative. So where, when do those balance out? When does one become more important than the other? And at this point, it's just, let's just keep this as like a cool thing we do from time to time. We always have the, the cider available in the tap room on draft. Um, but it's like, okay, let's get comfortable and figure out what this thing really is before we start to grow it one way or another. And that could be that we invest in more space and tanks, or it could be that we invest in contract brewing, but we're just, I think, not really sure um, the best way forward for it, I guess. Not that like, you know, it, we're just letting it kind of like grow up. It's going through its awkward teenage years. <laughs> college university or trades or or straight into the workforce soon it's rough time okay dude that's sick that's cool i like that a lot man it's like it's cool to have a little like i can't imagine you guys have been around for like you said uh six years this year right in um yeah. october november um you know, and having like a, a completely separate side project that's different to anything else that you've done, like is, it's got to be like uh, creatively invigorating and just be like, ah, oh, sick, you know, like for the whole team to be like, hey, this is something it's, it's, uh, you know, in the same genre, but it's totally different to all the other stuff we're doing, different branding, different clientele. And that comes back to what we we're just talking about before, like, you know, breweries becoming beverage companies, not that I would say that yep. this is too much outside the the wheelhouse of what a, a the same type of establishment would make but it's it's going to attract a different clientele like cider sure. you know obviously there's a huge crossover but there's going to be people who would discover that but oh it's made from there i was going to check it out oh shit they got pizza oh fuck they got all these beers all right yeah. and that's and it's all of that and the other thing you mentioned which i love uh, is the you know you had the cocktails and one thing i noticed of all uh, from all of the trip uh, we were in the states for like five weeks 
most of the breweries there had even wine on tap and draft cocktails as well. So oh, I, yeah. it, it was one of those things where it felt like they made it so like it, you say you meet the group of friends and they're all your non beer drinking friends and I'm the beer guy. I could be like, hey guys, like. Look, hear me out. I want to go to town because, look, they got fire pizza. They got cocktails. They got cider. You don't even have to drink beer. And you could bring those yeah. friends there, you know, who might not have been uh, sold on the idea. And then they see my beer and they go, oh, why does it look like yellow milk? I'm like, well, why don't you take a yeah. seat? You know? <laughs> and then, For real. Because, like, know? oh, I don't like IPAs. They're, like, bitter and copper and they're dark. And it's like, no, 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 no. You don't even know what you're talking about. But that's okay. We can, You can come here. We can educate you. Exactly. As long as what you're doing, I think, is authentically something that you want to be doing, um, then you can do it. I mean, you know, if you're doing something for a reason that, you know, you're isn't isn't wholeheartedly you, then then, you know, I think like as a as a business, as a as a following, I think the craft beer world in general is pretty good at at uh, sniffing out the. the people who are in it for the wrong reasons and for sure I'd say so. probably happen in the long term. But, um, but yeah, it's like, you know, we, with food, it took us five years to really bring in actual food and it's cause we couldn't figure out how to do it in a way that was good. Like we had, we had shitty snacks forever and that worked, but we weren't putting a ton of time and effort into it because it wasn't something that we were like really trying to push. They're like, you know what? We need to, we need to offer food. We, we need to stop losing people at dinner time. We need to like bring them in. And if we're going to do that, then we had to figure out a way to do it properly. And we got to figure out a way that we can like be proud of it rather than just say, Oh yeah, we got these, like, you know, we got this food or whatever. Yeah. So. No, that's a good point. Um, but it sounds like obviously, you know, six years coming up like that, you guys are really figuring stuff out as far as the approach. And, you know, it's been interesting to watch the brand evolve because I even noticed recently, like, you know, you got the the last time we chatted, I think the, the these cans with the sideways label were relatively yeah. new from that old one that was like the lamp and on the, yeah. you know. And then I've noticed a lot of the merch now. You got some like retro style merch and different logos, like the hat you got on right now. For those who are watching and not listening, um, is super dope. Like it's it, from what from the outside looking in. Like and look exactly the the logo that names holding up right there yeah. um, is super sick. I feel like you've like it to me. And Nate, I'd like to like maybe it's interesting you Jeff to hear it from someone who's outside the organization. But it feels like you guys are just having a lot of fun with stuff. Um, yeah. and, and throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. And I, I feel like it just, none of it seems like disconnected or anything. Like, I feel like it seems very, um, intentional, which I think is key and authentic to the brand. And it just yeah. always feels like, oh man, I, like this summer we're trying to get out to a lot of places and, uh, I've got to come up and see you cause I know you came down here last, so it's my turn. And yeah. Um, you know, I just want to go, I want to come and see all that though. Cause I feel like the last time I was there, it's been a minute. Like I haven't, you know, yeah. it just feels like there's, there's an evolution happening that's like For constant. Sure. And it just seems like there's so much fun and different things that you guys are trying that it just like, it just feels like, all right, there's always something cool and new that's going on that it's like oh i haven't been to town for a few weeks i gotta get back there's there's, you know there's new beers there's all this cool new merch and it's just like i don't know it it just it's it's very cool from from outside looking in i I appreciate that and it's something that like i think 
you can chalk it up to like we get bored pretty easy <laughs> and we're like yeah <laughs> this is like getting like it's not tired. a bad thing you know it's something that we had around for two months but no we're always just like I piss everybody off at the briefs. I'm like, all right, cool. Like we did, we made this really great beer. Cool. Well, like what's next? Like, what are we doing next? Like, how do we make it better? Like, how do we improve? And it's like, sometimes I, you know, I fail to be like, Hey guys, we did a really great job. Thank you. Good work. But what's next? I'm just like, all right, cool. We did that. What's next? It's like, we do have to like celebrate the things that we've done well, but we get bored and we want to evolve and, and, you know, we want to grow. We've always said that, like we, you know, it's not like we're trying to take over the world here, but we want to grow. We want to see growth. We want to see new customers. We want to see new staff. We want to grow our staff. We want to grow our customer base, like all of those things. And to grow, you need to evolve. You can't just like sit there and cross your fingers and toes and hope that you're just going to grow. You need to give people a reason to give a shit if you want more people to give a shit. So we're like, okay, well, what can we do? And what, and you know, we do try a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, we, we spend, I would say, countless hours on each of those decisions. And I'm glad that you said, Craig, that it seems intentional because it all really is. It's it's Travis is, is our main kind of sales and marketing, especially marketing kind of mastermind. And, and it's like, yeah, what? and we always throw out ideas. What if we did this? And it's like, yeah, we could do that, but, you know, should we do that? Or does that seem like something that we would really do? Like, is that our identity? Mm. Um, you know, uh, and so we do think of all of these different crazy ideas and then, and then we really sit down and say, okay, does this fit in with our, with our mission and our vision and all of those kinds of things, right? Like our main thing, like, you know, it sounds corny to have a mission, but our mission is, or our vision story is, is, uh, good work and good times. Like that's just like, it's on our, website it's on our instagram and it's like we want and good work is encompassing making great beer providing a great experience supporting local charities supporting local groups and doing those kinds of things and then good times is like yeah like there's no good work without the good times like you got to have the good times because that's why I, uh, one of the other reasons that people are going to come back so that we can mm. continue to, again evolve and grow this thing and and hopefully do some cool things with it. So it's like, yeah, we do try a lot of stuff. Uh, it makes absolutely no sense to me to work in the beer world and not have fun because it's like super hard work for not a lot of money. And if it's not fun, then just go fucking work somewhere else. It just like, it literally does not make sense. Um, yeah. What's the point then? There's no point. There's no point to just work in money or work in money, work in beer for the money. Cause that's like an oxymoron. Um, <laughs> You have to love it. And if you don't, then it, it's just too, it's just a grind. Um, and if you do love it, it's not a grind. It doesn't feel like a grind. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we always want to try new shit. I mean, like, dude, and like we go out to different artists and stuff now. And we're like, oh, we want you to, 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 you know, design merch. We saw your shit and it looks awesome. And dude comes back with a seagull walking down the beach with a, with a tall can under his wing. And I'm like, yeah. The fucking best shirt ever like yes that's we have to <laughs> i love that. Um, but yeah it's just i appreciate that that's like a really really nice thing to hear because we do feel like it's an evolution we feel like our beer has evolved we feel like our brand has evolved we feel like everything that we kind of are about and do our service our experience our food program everything is evolving and it's like you know our job every day to wake up and think about how we can 
continue to do that. Um, and that's what makes it exciting. So, yeah. Oh, yeah I appreciate and I, it's, and it's one of those things that I feel like as long as you've got a mind of, like of continuing to evolve, you're at least giving yourself a chance to do what we were talking about before, which is finding like, which is finding those new customers. And as you're like, as you're going through this, that's obvious, like, you know, you're not going to stumble upon a silver bullet, like a silver bullet that way, because I don't think that exists, but you're at least giving yourself the chance to bring someone else in the door, even if it's something as small as the example, as what, uh, of what Craig said before of, you know, um, it, like if you're bringing some friends along, uh, like, and you're trying to convince them where, like, where you should go out for the night, uh, like, if you can sell one of them on pizza, if you can sell another of them on cider, if you can sell another of them on cocktails, if you, like, if you can sell your whole group of four, and then you've got them all at town, and maybe there's something that'll have them come back. Hundred mm. percent. And then they see an event that we're doing to support this local organization or they see it that there's a drag show on saturday or they see that there's trivia on tuesday or whatever right it's like oh fuck i could get behind that that's it that seems kind of cool and then that's you know we we always talk about the experience and all of the things that we do are all about the experience it's at the end of the day it's it's literally people's uh, experience is the only thing that matters and that's the only thing that's going to bring them back so if they feel like they're a part of the brewery if they feel like they're a part of town um even for a minute, then, you know, you've got a chance to bring them back, which is sweet. So I fucking love it. Um, I want to, I don't want to like, gonna, <laughs> wanna, let's, yeah, let's keep cracking. I just don't want to like, I wanna, we have a bunch we want to get through tonight. And I know what we're obviously loving the convo. Um, yeah. Where do we want to go from here, my dude? Uh, what do you think? <sighs> so, well, We've got a few options. We've got some uh, a couple different IPAs we were trying to do. We got another crispy. Do we want to do another IPA then sort of break it up with the crispy and then uh, go into another couple different ones? Yeah, let's. Uh... Do you want to have square wheels? When's yeah, I was thinking. Squ- yeah, let's do that. a hot let's minute. That. Yeah, this was the first ever beer. Square wheels is uh, this is the best batch of square wheels we've ever made. Oh fuck! I am really? moist. there. I am we go. Already Sick. moist. I distinctly remember coming in for the first podcast we did on January second, twenty eighteen, and uh, when you, we walked in the brewery, and I was like very excited to try this beer. It's been very cool to watch the evolution of this beer um, over time. I feel like it's changed a lot, and I think that is the best thing about craft beer is that the brand is strong, and brands do not have to stay the same over time. Yeah by any means and i think it's fucking awesome that you've been able to do that uh with this this beer has been the same this beer has been like fairly the same for probably the last two years um but again uh changeover and crop years of hops you get hops coming in and you know 15 kilos of mosaic doesn't taste like you know this year doesn't taste like 15 kilos of mosaic from last year um so we made some different tweaks, uh, not big changes, but tweaks, weights mostly of the different hops and, and subbing five kgs for five K, of this one for five kgs of that one. Um, but I feel like this beer is just uh, in a really, really good spot. It's like continuously finishing at the same gravity, which is good. So there's consistency from that end. And uh, no, I'm just really, really happy with this beer. 
Okay, I, amazing. I keep on beer because we we put out a new IPA every two to three weeks. And so that's the one that I'll take home. So I'll sleep on square wheels. And then all of a sudden I'm like, man, I haven't had square wheels in like two months. I'll bring home a six pack and then I have it and I just, I fall back in love with it. I love that, dude. It's, um, it's cool to see, like, like that was the other question I meant to ask earlier. How many, uh, year round, um, beers would you say you have now? So it seems like it's square wheels and quick one primarily. Is that accurate? Yeah, the thing is, is that actually outside jokes, which I don't think we have on the dock, which is our like 5% parallel. I do have it here, but yeah. Yeah, yeah we do have we that. Stitra, Zaka, uh, Idaho 7. Um, that beer is our highest selling LCBO beer, which is weird. Uh, so we sell more, more uh, outside jokes in LCBO than square rules, but as a brand, we sell twice as much square wheels as we do outside jokes when you take into consideration licensees, the brewery, mm. all that stuff. We sell more square wheels to licensees uh, across Ontario than any other beer, for sure, like by a lot. Um, Look at but, that. Um, but those are kind of the three quick one, uh, square wheels and outside jokes, and then microdose is like our seasonal right now. That's the new one. Gentlemen, get it in you. Cheers, fellas. Oh yeah, the other thing is spectacular. I'm, I feel like it's never mm. been this hazy before, which I love. No, it's been a good spot. The other th yeah, is it still got Idaho Seven? Yeah, uh, Idaho Seven in the Whirlpool. Yep. Uh, uh, and then we have Citra Idaho Seven Mosaic uh, on the uh, dry hop. Yeah, this is stunning. Um, this is by far the beer I've had the most. I was like looking at my check-ins. This was check-in number fourteen, I think, for this beer. Which for someone like me, I don't really have the same beer many times, just yeah. by nature of what we do. Um, I just love the beer. Like for, and it's 425 at the LCBO, like 425 tax in, and that's not a sales pitch, but I'm like, fuck, dude, we sell this beer for 376 plus tax at the brewery. And I'm like, probably should put that up. <laughs> I just think it's tough to find a beer. And that's not like being like, you know, this is a, I'm just like that for that price. I just find that like that is a, that beer is just, it's delightful. <laughs> oh, it yeah. truly is. Like, I, I feel like it's severely it underpriced. Um, yeah. Like, the body is crazy, um, which is always something that I feel like there was like a point where you guys just like all of a sudden just went nuts and your body of all the beers just went, went bonkers. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. This shit is like, this is killer. And I feel like it's such an interesting hot blend as well. Um, you know, super juicy and tropical. It's got a touch in the Idaho 7, delivers maybe a little bit of grassy herbal kind of vibes in the back end there, a little earthiness. Which has always been like square wheels MO. Um, that like dank weed kind of in the back end. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Get away from that. That. Like, debated taking the Idaho 7 out of the dry hop completely and just going Whirlpool. So you just get the like pineapple tropical fruit. Um, but like the identity of square wheels is that like pineapple citrus bomb, but to have that like still kind of like dank greenness in the back. Mm. Um, I don't know how old this one is that I'm drinking. This what do you guys have for a date code on yours? 8th of June as well. 8th of June, yeah. So that's a two-week-old beer. Yeah. That's quite um, fresh. I love it. Super fresh. I find that, yeah, I find like two weeks is probably the best possible time to be drinking hazies. Yeah, it, it, I think it – I guess it depends, but two weeks is a pretty uh, pretty safe zone. I think it all two depends. Safe zone. Because if you rush it out, which, I mean, brewers are lying if, they, if they're saying they've never had to rush out a hazy – 
Um, but if you got to rush there, you need a time for that greenness to go away. Um, yeah. But I don't find like, I don't know. I don't know. How do you guys feel like, are you like, if you saw a six week old hazy, would you like turn your nose up at it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But for, you, for me, I'm, Nate's not as I'm a little more, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a little more lenient than, uh, like than Craig is on this. And uh, like we, this is something that we talk we about often, it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is something that we often joke about with each other. It depends on, it depends on the brewery. Uh, like if I see like if I see a six week old one, um, I will not turn my, uh, like turn my nose up at it. Um, it will not, uh, Depending on the brewery, I might not bother to buy it if it's a brewery that I like that I know and trust, and uh, like mm-hmm. and I think that their stuff holds up pretty well. Um, I like I will still buy a six week old one if it's one that I like that I really want to try. If it's one yeah. that um, that like that I don't know as well, if it's uh, like a brewery that I'm coming to for the first time, I will probably stick to something that is four weeks or less um, yeah uh, 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 like in i like i i know craig is like it's probably like like anything be, like i know he's like anything beyond two weeks no thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was thinking about it when i was in florida i went to this brewery called three sons in dania beach which was like quite a you know big deal and i what they have just like a line of cans on the the bar to choose from yeah. and i was just choosing idiot me i was by myself tiff didn't come up with me and i i picked the two ones that i wanted because in in the states it's not as consistent here i feel like in canada it's really like you know 6.5 or 6 is like a real common thing for a a single on the doubles like their doubles are like 8.5 or like they're coming into triple territory and i find that really annoying so i was just trying to picked the two beers that were in the abv range and then when i got home and i checked it and they were both a month old when i bought it i was like you fucking idiot <laughs> and i've still got them left and it's and it's june they're three month old beers and i've got all of this stuff from the state still that i haven't drank yet and i'm stressed about it because we're having a lot of podcasts and i've got only one or two at most drinking nights a week to get through that stuff and it's like it's getting older and older and older it's just more of a preference and i also so there's like the preference thing because as soon as ipas get a little old they get that kind of sticky maltiness for the most part and i just feel like they're uh, like for lack of a better term like a shadow of what they were intended to be i also feel like it's if i'm reviewing a beer for the first time i don't think it's fair to the brewery that the the drinker and i'm reviewing it and and whatever not like not about me, but just in general, like, you know, what if I go and this is my first touch point with the brewery and then I'm reviewing the beer and it's already a month old. I'm like, oh, this is not what it, this is not a beer that's meant for six weeks. Like Troy well, told me to do growlers off the hop because we're like, man, we're too new. No one knows us if they have a two week old growler that looks like an amber lager and it's actually supposed <laughs> to be a hazy off there. That's <laughs> the then it's not good. Thing too right like you can have a two-week-old hazy ipa that's full of fucking oxygen and it'll be garbage yes and yeah you can, like i actually found so like I, my, my uh i think you met him uh see my father-in-law rav so he worked out yes. at the brew and that's, uh tiff says he, hi jeff she just waved oh, to you hi tiff she can't hear you but he says hi <laughs> she's trying to get, uh, get the dog father-in-law worked at the brewery like helped out and stuff and he would take home beers, but he's not really like a huge beer drinker. He'd rather okay. smoke a joint than 
then drink beer. <laughs> but he like takes them home and he puts them in his garage and then he has them there for his friends. His friends never want them. He's like, you know, um, so I, I go to his house and I call it like the tickle trunk. So I'll go out to the garage and I'll open up his fridge and I'll move all of the like soda water cans that he's got. And I'll reach into the back of the fridge and find like a year old IPA from town. I'm like, I just want to know what it looks like. Right. Cause yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah. two things that can go wrong. You can have haze for the wrong reason that just drops out. And it's just like, oh, there was just too much yeast in the beer. It's not that you actually created haze through like an actual um, dry hop or anything like that. It's like, it's just like too much yeast in the beer. And and then there's the other effect that it's just like, it just gets oxidized and like, it just tastes like cardboard and, and becomes malty. And especially if it's stored warm, that's the other thing is like distinct difference there is like you have that, we describe it as like that distinct LCBO IPA taste mm-hmm. where hazy <laughs> IPA that was probably very well crafted, probably doesn't have a lot of oxygen in it. But it sits on a warm shelf for four weeks, and then just they 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 don't really taste like horrible. They do taste horrible compared to what they should taste like. But it's not like an unbearable taste. But it's very nondescript. It's just kind of like you know, flat, hoppy, yeah, two dimensional. Um, But the I opened actually, it was a beer we made forever ago called Couch Full of Dads. When Andy was, I remember that beer was phenomenal. Opened it like fourteen months. After uh, it was canned, at how was my, it? Was, it was it wasn't good, but it was fine. It wasn't brown. All right, like, like it still looked like the same hue, the same color as a hazy. Uh, some of the haze had dropped out. I mean, after fourteen months sitting in a cold fridge, it's uh, it's bound to happen. But it wasn't as bad as it could be. But then we've had square wheels batches where the canning line got fucked or something happened and the purge wasn't working right or there was too much oxygen in the bright tank and we had cans that were brown within four weeks so it's like it can go so either way there's so yeah. many i've got a um a large problem with triple ipas i don't really like the higher octane stuff and i just let them sit and i've i've had these ones in the fridge forever and i was talking to troy about it. i got five different beers some i got uh, triple ipa the blood brothers third moon collab from third moon's 2022 anniversary in may last year uh, west coast i uh, know it was a triple haze not the oh, west yeah. coast one and I've got like Bellwood's Witch Shark, the birthday one from last year, from their 10 year anniversary. Uh, I've got five beers. I got a Sir John. I got some other stuff. So I was like, Troy was like, just get them all, pour them all into it. Just try one at a time. And like, because I haven't had them, I've got them in the fridge upstairs. I've just been meaning to do it. I just like, oh, I don't want to drink t- triple IPAs, but I'm like, I might do it like tomorrow or something where I've just got to try them and, and review them probably, but it's not fair because they're. Yeah. Yeah. not where they were intended to be but i'm curious because triples last so i've had triples at four to six months yeah and it's like i'm from what i could tell because there's just so much going on and i think sometimes they're so green that they yeah. just they happen to kind of like last so i'm actually you've given me more confidence being that you opened that beer I've had our beers that are like eight months old, a year old. Four, 14 months is the longest one, but I've had year old beers where I'm like, you know. Not that I, bad. Probably not. Am I going to drain pour it? No. But I've also had one where I'm like, this is the gnarliest shit I've ever tasted in my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's on, interesting. On the, 
on the triples, it re- like it really depends on the triples because like like That's you were bad. saying, like because some of them can be like you know if they've got like a really heavy dry hop and if it's done really well, some of that hot flavor can, like really has some staying power. It, like really depends on the hops too. However. Like sometimes when uh, like for some of those ones where the hot flavor does drop off, it tastes like you're drinking straight vodka. It's so boozy. Oh, yeah. So I'm a little concerned about it, but I I guess I got to look at it like a fun experiment. There's so many things that can go wrong and there's so many things that might not go wrong. It's just like, yeah, it's I was just curious. That's why I asked. No, it's uh, it's it's always interesting, and I feel like it's just such a fun topic to talk about because like Nate said as well, like I feel like it really varies from brewery to brewery. And the the I think the key differentiator is the um uh that that hot burn that greenness like the Sawdust City the Get It In Ya we did in twenty eighteen it was there was a yeah. first time putting that much hops in a beer that yeah. like that shit almost tasted better at six months than it did fresh because it was so intense like it was like garlic yeah. it was fucking like it, needed, crit- like it needed to go away it needed to just sit and chill and then it was like it was just so funny it didn't matter how many how often I drank it. I'm like, Oh, it's tasting better than it did last month. And like, it's yeah. like, and it should not, that shouldn't, obviously they've dialed it in to an impeccable level since then. Yeah. That was a long time ago. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really funny. And it's like, yeah, I, I would just prefer normally Nate and I have a little arrangement with either we ship stuff to each other or, um, his parents cause they live close to me. So they would, uh, I drop them stuff. They take him to him. He do- gives it back yeah, and yeah. then I go pick it up. So depending on what it is, if he's getting me stuff, I'm like, all right, it's gotta be within a week date like if he's at in quebec if it doesn't get in another week then i'm not drinking it that's basically it because i've had stuff before and all of a sudden by the time it gets to me it's a month old i'm like i just feel like it's just not the same and that's i don't want i don't know i just i want to get the picture because sometimes there's breweries i either don't get very often or some of them were the first time i've been introduced to some breweries so i'm like i want to just really make it like a fair thing that i'm like all right this is like i understand what they're about you know that and i imagine for you that would probably be important that if someone's drinking a shelf aged fucking three months old square wheels that doesn't you know this is fresh as shit this is two weeks old this is gorgeous this is bright and aromatic and flavorful like this is the experience that the the town drinker should have but you obviously that's what we want people who are coming in for pizza for the first time to try that and be like what the fuck okay well i like that but it's brewery to brewery too like you were talking about nate like like for instance bellwoods like i'll drink like so one thing like we don't have a we don't have a centrifuge like we don't really do filtering we have like a bag filter that will make sure that no hops get over to the bread tank but that's about it I know that Bellwoods has a centrifuge, so they centrifuge all their stuff. There's like no hops getting over. There's no yeast getting over. Like that haze is is haze that was created from you know the fermentation process, the dry hop process, all that kind of stuff. Um, but even our cans, like we'll, we we do our best to strip out everything out of the beer and just have like what is intended go into the bright tank and into the can. But it's inevitable in our cans, like you're going to get some of that dropout. You're going to get that little yeast in the in the bottom of the can. That's why I always pour my beer out of the can into a glass. Like I never, ever, ever will drink out of the can because that last sip, regardless, you're like every time you're taking a sip, you're mixing up the bottom and then the bottom is just like kind of gnarly. Um, but you go and you get a Bellwoods can, like you just won't get that. They just don't have that yeast because – they can separate that. They've got, they have the processes to do that. So like if I saw an eight week old Bellwoods beer that's been refrigerated for those eight weeks, I wouldn't blink an eye. 
But gotcha. I mean, I know that there's some breweries that, you know, we use a bag filter to make sure that hot particles don't get through. And that's really what we're worried about. But I mean, I've opened beers before where I poured them into a glass and you can literally see, not full hot pellets, obviously, but little hot par uh, particles kind of like rolling around the glass. And you're like, oh, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. I don't really care. But if that sits in that can, say, on a warm shelf for eight weeks, it's going to start to change the flavor of the beer. And that's going to start to get yeah. the yeast is good. And it's like, you know, so it, that's the other thing is not all craft breweries are, are built the same. And, and it really is kind of like it's almost like a badge of honor to be like you can make an eight week hazy like you can make a 12 week hazy and mm. it's still good or it still tastes like it should kind of thing and uh and yeah it's just interesting for sure yeah but with the lcbo for you guys then because obviously when anything's in the brewery and, and if you're sipping to an indie bottle shop or a licensee you've got full control over that um yeah. do you like have i remember like years ago when we were doing the in-person one we had left field on and that was the first time they told us uh that they did the thing where they um they like have this little pardon they'll like pull beer from an lcbo if it's sitting on the shelf warm Yes, they actually had like some sort of agreement with them that they can only be kept in the fridges and it has to be kept cold yeah. the entire time. And then if they order more than their usual shipment, they're like, what are you ordering more for? What's going on? Yeah. Are you selling more? Like they won't, yeah, like they won't even sell them more because they don't want the product to be compromised. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But that also seems like a whole ordeal. Um, how do you mitigate that? <laughs> um yeah i mean we we try and pay attention to as much as that as we possibly can um and make sure that the beer is always cold the it, i mean it's really difficult like being you know full transparency i mean yeah like you can be in the cold room and on the shelf but like if you're ripping through beer and you're going to go through more than two cases in a week at a say an lcbo well, they only have room for the two cases on the shelf and the rest is in the warehouse in the back, which is just room temperature, right? So it is very difficult. Um, the good thing is, is that uh, back when you were talking to Leftfield, it was probably three or four years ago. I 2018, would I would say, yep, so about that. Years ago. So even since then, the LCBO has uh, started selling and started giving way more space to beer and that was like back when I was working for Mill Street, it was like, you know, you'd go into LCBOs, and like more than half my LCBOs was like the refrigerated section was like a reach in fridge, not yeah. like a yeah. room, right. So now you're seeing those reach in fridge sections being converted into cold rooms. Um, those shelves that were in the middle of the beer section, not in the fridge, are now the middle shelf of the, the cold box. And so they know that it's uh, just people want cold beer. I mean, when I worked at Mill Street, they didn't give a shit whether the beer was in the fridge or whether the beer was on the shelf for the beer. They cared because people buy cold beer. People don't buy warm beer. It's like when I'm buying a six pack, I want a six pack of cold organic. I don't want a six pack of warm organic. It's just like, it just makes sense. I Maybe I'm buying it to go drink it on right then. Maybe I'm not. People just want cold beer. But the LCBO knew that. And as beer got more and more popular, especially on Craft beer, you see more and more of those like walk-in beer coolers. And it's like kind of less of a thing. It's still a very real thing in a lot of the old stores like downtown Toronto and that. Um, but I mean, I can't think of say a Durham store that doesn't have a walk-in cooler now. Um, so you're generally going to be cold all the time. Um, mm. So it's, it's less of a task. Mm. Uh, 
but it's still a very real thing because again it just starts to taste like shit not like shit again it's 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 really not, it's not, it's just not like it should yeah a lot of the one basically everyone in hamilton um has a cold room too and i always check it out but to be honest probably like three percent of the time i'll buy something but i'm always just gonna just have a little squiz i'm like what's going on who's the home like oh they got outside jokes they got mad nice fuck yeah this this people know what they talk about because i don't need i don't you know some stores have a great beer buyer and some don't so i always like to i'm more just going in to judge and be like what do you got how fresh is it? i pick it up i'm like oh, august and this and it's fucking yeah. may like you yeah. know i feel like collective arts get fucked a lot i feel like they always fuck over collective arts with old ass beer um yeah uh, but I'm like, it's always, I have definitely noticed that the one near, uh, there's one at Fairview Mall in Toronto though, that doesn't have one. And I remember one time going in there and just seeing the, just thought there was like a whole, those shelves that you were talking about that end up being converted to the cold room was just all New England IPAs. I'm just like, ugh, yeah, all yeah. of these are I, dead. I feel like, uh, I feel like that's the case of almost anyone who has a bunch of SKUs now. And I mean, collective arts probably like probably have the most of any brewery in Ontario. But if you look like, but even if you look at any like Nickelbrook, if you're like, you know, you'll definitely see in that's most, uh, like in, in most stores, cans of Wicked Awesome that are like four or five months old or more. Yeah. yeah some of them, I've seen like eight months. Yeah, like, it's crazy. Are, dry hopped which helps a lot they're not that's as saturated so like i mean that's like one of the biggest things is just like vegetal matter hops in beer is going to just lead to its deterioration quicker it's just like inevitable yeah, this so is what it is the less dry hopped kind of the the better it'll last um the less saturated hops the longer it'll last um the more centrifuged or filtered it is the better it'll last so like there's different things that can do it but um yeah it's definitely like uh you got to set your own boundaries see so that's good but uh every <laughs> brewery is uh is is kind of different it's fine well you know what i like to do and i, I set my own boundary like i mean i know we're joking and i do i just i just know what i like right and that's why nate and i oh. always joke about this but what i also i mean we're, we're in a fortunate position where we happen to know the people who own or make of the beer in a lot of places that i love so like yeah. Troy from Badlands has told me his shit is best within before four weeks. That's what he thinks. Before so, four weeks? Before four weeks. That's what he's told me explicitly. Yeah. Um, I imagine most of his stuff moves pretty quickly and gets consumed within that time. So it's probably fine. I always make sure I do that. So if yeah. you tell me that this square wheels is good to eight weeks and I will trust you and I will drink it within that time. I, would, I wouldn't say it's the best though. I would say it's, I would say the same thing. It's the best in four weeks. Okay. So that's perfect. But yeah. some, some breweries might have a different thing and I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. I, I think it's just safer. Anyone, I don't think anyone can honestly say that a hazy IPA is better be at eight or better after four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I it's just like good best practice. Like, do we just need to keep it on the LCBO shelf? That's what, why they might say that. But like, I just saying like, yeah, like you can, you can last a little longer, but yeah, four weeks is four weeks is, I find that it needs two weeks to, to, to kind of peak and mellow. Mm -hmm. I've I mean, you, you mentioned that earlier and I've, I've heard that before. I don't know how I feel about that. I guess I'd have to, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'd have to try this it. This fucking guy. I know. Okay. <laughs> this okay. is it. It's, we all got different opinions, and we're all getting along drinking beer together. It's great. Right? Uh, <laughs> hey, man. I just want to drink the beer at the freshest possible. Like you know, the, I take the shit off the canning line. 
Well, no, you should also say, like, you know what? If you put it in a can, it should be ready to consume. So it should be its best on that fucking day. I mean, arguably, yeah. Like, you know, I do understand the haze is a very, like, interesting beast. So, yeah. You know, and it's nuanced. And there's also everyone has their individual profile. So, you know, it is what it is. I just kind of like it fresh. And, uh, you know, we're drinking fresh square wheels. It's fucking phenomenal. Nate, uh, you're trying to- we are we are indeed it, it, it's fucking delicious um on that note though uh like t- time is continuing to tick on and yeah. uh, and you know we want to make sure we got like, like we got time to get through the rest of these so we should crack open the next one do we want to break it up with the crisp or do we want to yeah let's do it let's do fidelity oh yeah so this glorious little gem when was this one this was the last time i saw you then this would have been this was, uh, I don't know, last fall? Last fall. Because I remember yeah, it wasn't it, freezing. But it was, it was last a little. Because we released this beer. was one of the three beers that we released for our five-year anniversary. Okay. Uh, so we released Fidelity as a Pills. We released Crash Course, which was an IPA. And I forget the third one. I think it was a sour, like a wild... Uh, sour. Okay. We did a bunch of wild sours in a span, and I forget which one specifically we did. I think it was White Lights, but anyways, um, Fidelity was a uh, Pilsner, German Pils. Uh, um, it this was like, you know, we had been really focusing on making lagers for like uh, I don't know two years, um, and this felt like kind of a culmination. Hell yeah. It was when we realized that you can really, you can really, really, really saturate a lager with uh, a nice amount of hops. It doesn't need to be overly bitter, but it was like, there was a few moments that really like, I don't know. I mean, I I love beer. I've been drinking lagers for a long time, but there was two moments last year that kind of changed it for me. And one of them was, uh, me and my wife actually were doing a, a little tour kind of like northwest of here and we were driving home and we saw the sign for Sonnen Hill and um, oh yeah like Sonnen Hill one kilometer and I'm like it was like eight at night I'm like babe we we have to stop I, I know you don't want to stop but we're one kilometer away I didn't I have no I had no idea where this place actually was I know that it's in Caledon I don't know where that is on earth but we're driving by it we need to stop so we stopped and uh we sat down had a beer actually a girl that used to work for northern canning who did some art for us um she was working there at the time a hannah and uh so she served us our two beers and we sat down and we each had a sip i got a ziggler which was like a german pills and my wife that's a great one yeah my wife got the lager beer and she took a sip of the lager and she looked at me and went what is that (laughs) in a good way or in a great way and the only thing i could say is that is craftsmanship i'm like that is just like a really really well-made lager and it was delicious it was just like so many different depths of flavor it was just so well-rounded it was just like super 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 tasty and um and then the other one was uh at godspeed when they did the um they did the collab with um, oh, Czech. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Buh. And the buff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we went there for the release of that beer, the first one that they did. And uh, 
I was just like blown away. I was just like, it's, it wasn't bitter. It was just so flavorful and it just was so hoppy and so herbal and so floral and so beautifully well done. And we just sat there drinking out of those grenade glasses. And I was like, man, this is like just a beautiful, beautiful beer. Um, That's one, that beer right there is one of those things of like, how the fuck did we get so lucky to, yeah, like to 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 have this like in our province that we're able to kind of, like to kind of taste that like this masterpiece of uh, like of a collaboration with such world renowned uh, like logger producers. It's it, yeah. like it's unreal how lucky we are that this is happening in our like in our like jurisdiction where we're able to like to purchase and consume this. For real. And it's like, it's, uh, you know, it's BIM's hard work and it's, there's other breweries in Ontario who are making lagers that are, are, uh, you know, delicious. And absolutely. That's, that's the lagers. Those, those lagers and those pilsners are the ones that we need to make because those lagers and those pilsners are distinctively different and distinctively better than trash macro beer facts if we're gonna if we as a as a craft beer world are going to focus our efforts and our time on loggers and sorry and pilsners cheers cheers jeffrey Um, keep talking keep preaching those are the beers that we need to aspire to make we cannot aspire to make shit beer to like appease the masses no we have to make we have to aspire to make beers like lager beer. We have to aspire to make beers like buh. We have to aspire to make beers like Ziggler so that so that you're getting closer to those like regular ass beer drinkers, but you're still showing them something that's better and different. And they're and they're jumping on your side because of that. Not yeah. because you've like come down to their level. Yeah, and I well think said. that uh, like, like I, I think you've really hit on it there because and and you like you know you were talking about this before too. I think that whole business of just kind of trying to make Bathroom. a macro like make, trying to make a macro clone is a fool's errand um, yeah. because I, like because it's one of those things of like and you, like you brought up that like, like the prime point before like even if you can make something that tastes the same like the same as bud light or Coors light you're not going to like you're not going to be able to make it at the point that you can sell it at the same price point and the people who are drinking those want it at that price point they're going to be able to want uh like they're going to want to be able to buy that two four for however the fuck much a two four of bud light costs i have no fucking idea but (laughs) but but the point is you're never going to get a case uh like a case of town lager at, at uh, like at that price so you would you, like you shouldn't expect uh like a customer to like to come in and uh, like and buy a town beer that uh, like that's going to taste the same at, like as bud light for that but if you can change some minds by you know aspiring to make uh like any of the beers that like that you just listed off you can get like you you can get someone com- like coming in to appreciate kind of how good a logger can be and uh, like and and you know and that's like that is something that will 
bring people through the door. That is something that will, you know, say like, okay, hey, like like craft loggers can really like can really be something special. A hundred percent. I like, and the the thing is, is that it's just it's always been very easy to distinguish a craft beer from a macro beer because they've just for one, which is the first step of anybody's tasting experience is they look different for a yeah. long time. They were copper colored and, and macro beer is not, then they were hazy and macro beer is not. Now we're crafting these loggers and we're all spending every brewer I talk to right now is how the fuck do I keep the foam and how do I make them more clear? And it's like the absolute opposite of what we used to do, but it's like, we're literally trying to make them the way that say, Pilsner or Keller or Czech Fire has been making them for ever. But it's like, okay, now they don't look different, but they have to taste different. It's a, it's a, it's just a harder thing to um to distinguish the difference. And and like I said, it's it's very easy to distinguish the difference between a Bud Light and a Ziggler. But yeah, do they look similar? Yes. Do they look the yes. same? No, but do they look similar? Yes. You know, they, they look a lot more similar than say a Bud Light and a and a Square Wheels. But yeah, from a case perspective, just as different as a Bud Light and a Square Wheels. But it's like it's just this thing. And I, like I said, we we people got into craft beer, I think, on at, at for the majority because it was better and different. It was like, I'm a little bit different and this is better, and that's what you would say. Why are you drinking that shit? It sucks. You got to drink this. It's better. And it was like, that's how we, for a, you know, a period of time, shamed all of our friends to start drinking crap beer. <laughs> you know what I mean? But now it's like, are you going to go to your buddies and be like, oh, you got to put that shit down. You got to drink this. It tastes the same, but it costs more. That's like the that's the fast track to to closing up shop. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's yeah. great. I don't fear that <laughs> I think it'll happen to breweries. I don't think it'll happen to the breweries that are out there trying to make the best beer that they possibly can. But my fear is that the competitiveness and the the quote unquote flat is the new growth mentality that a lot of breweries are having that they're like, we need to do whatever we need to do to keep the doors open. And if that means going down to that beer, maybe we got to do it, but hopefully that doesn't happen. Mm. We'll survive. And that, and that goes back to the conversation about like being a beverage company or like, you know, maybe we just, we're just like, when all of these breweries inevitably turn over and switch hands and close and open and all that, we're the staple. And we've said, and I'm not saying this as town, I'm just saying there will be breweries have said, nope, we're not doing seltzers. We're not doing ciders. We're not doing teas. We're not doing sparkling waters. We're just making beers. And we're just going to continue to make beers. And some of them will survive because they'll just be that, that steady, uh, consistent uh, brewery. Hmm. I've always hope so. Right. So yeah, man. Yeah. I hope so. I feel like this should be one thing I've always noticed in life. It's not always the quality that gets ahead. Um, I've noticed that in our competitors and our social media industry and on YouTube and in our music and all these different stuff. I'm like, okay, well I strive for quality. I'm like, well, maybe quality isn't enough, but I'm always hoping that like the 
flavor of the month type shit, the stuff that maybe isn't focused on the best of the best, which I don't know. I just think you should. If you're going to do anything, you might as well try to do it the best of your ability. It has to come back around. It's like society has been, I don't know, whatever it is, like brainwashed into just going. I mean, it's not really, but, you know, it's something along those lines where you sort of point it in the direction of other things via marketing, via media, via whatever, peer pressure and stuff, and maybe lack of understanding. Craft beer, there's a lot of understanding needed to be able to drink this stuff. It's a culture. Like, even look at the way we'd all talk to each other. And if I'm trying to explain to someone, oh, yeah, they got any Krispies? They got any Hazel? What's going on? They would, like, well, what's that pastry you got there? Like, you know, and those are just the slang of the drinkers, not to mention the, you know, attenuation and all these different words that the, it's a subculture. It's a nerdy subculture that needs a level of understanding to be able to participate in it. You know, not necessarily, but if you want to get deeper into it, you're going to hear people talk. And we always try to be welcoming and like more chill here. But even like foundationally, I think to be even be able to listen to this podcast and understand it, there has to be some sort of base level knowledge to to even know what we're talking about. So that's the only downside of it. But like it's, you know, I think that's the beauty as well. Like it might be a little tougher, but isn't it sick that it's like this thing that has this interest and then we have, like you both were sort of saying, and after coming back from the States, one thing I found, I felt was in incredibly grateful for not just in Ontario, but just Canada. I just feel like we have such an incredible beer scene. Like the stuff that we can get here is so good. It's at, that's what I was telling everyone there. I'm like, yo, the shit that we're doing at home is like world-class, absolutely no exaggeration. Like it truly is in every style. Yeah, And it's like, we're so fucking lucky. So like, it's a great place for, for people to get into beer. And, you know, whilst it is a somewhat expensive you don't have to drink a case of it a week to whatever to and when i talk about price it's not like you know it's not like uh, there's brews out there that are just like actively ripping people off it's mm. like the shit a lot of fucking money to make That's it. right hops on cheap In- it's like a lifestyle and and yeah. and it, it it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to consume who you are and what you do and how you you, you don't have to like I identify as a craft beer drinker. That doesn't have to be your identity, but it can be like, like I grew up a skateboarder. Uh, Travis grew up like a punk rocker. It's like, those are like these little subcultures where it's like, it's not just that what you're consuming. It's just not that you're consuming punk rock as a music. It's just not that you're skateboarding as a hobby. It's like way more than that. And that's, I mean, not to like get too like, oh, craft beer is like an entire lifestyle. It's not, but it's a lot more than just the liquid that's in your glass. It's talking to you guys. It's talking to other people. But it's also like realizing that if you're only going to sit and talk about beer to other beer nerds, you're never going to find any more people who are going to want to do that. So it's like we have to have like an open and inclusive environment so that we can say, hey, like get in here with us. Like let us share why we actually care so much about this. You might think it's fucked and it kind of is, but we actually all care about this so much that like we feel as though, you know, we need to share it with people. And and we, we, you know, we like – you know, and that's what I used to do and, and still do. But it's like, you know, you guys have been there. I'm sure you have. You're like talking to your buddies who you're like, you can't drink that. It's shit. Get over here. Like, I'll buy you a better beer. And it's like, that's how much you actually cared about beer at that moment was you're like, put down that shit. 
here's my hard-earned money. I'm going to buy you a beer, right? Like we were, we've all been in that situation. Yes. And it's like we have to take all of the good things about that and we have to like we can't we can't stop telling people how great it is. Uh, we can stop doing or start trying to get rid of the shit that's not cool about craft beer, but like all of the good stuff can't go away because the bad stuff goes away. We have to continue to like yell from the mountaintops about all of the good stuff or it just won't continue to be as, as good. If that makes any sense. It does. It very much does. It does. Yeah. I'm always, I always find myself pretty kind of like fucking up a little bit and like saying too much to people who are drinking macros. I try to, I can't help myself sometimes. I'll be like, the fuck you doing that for? And I might come across like a dick and I don't mean to, but I'm like, it's, it, it's that what you just said. It comes from a place of, oh man, like you're my yeah. friend and you deserve better than this. And you're and like, you actually so sick. You're like, I'm, I like, I'm, I'm going to say it again and feel like a knob for saying it, but like, I just actually believe it so much that I'm going to go and say it again. Like, yes, I this. I think it's like factually (laughs) superior though. Like you could even just sort of look, yeah, cool. They, they produce it on this insane level. Then they mean macros at such a crazy level and such a crazy McDonald's like consistency that it's a, it's a marvel of the modern era. Yeah. We're acknowledging that, and you yourself said you'd spend your beer store money. I keep it in my wallet because I don't keep cash ever. It's the only time I have cash. So I like to have that on me. But you go and buy the Miller Miller High Life, which I'm very – I'd be meaning to try that again because people keep telling me how good it is. So It's a corn lager, like whatever. But, like, it's got its time and it's got its place. And I don't spend my hard-earned money on it, but I'll take my free money. And spend it on it. Exactly, right? But it's it's like you just want – you know, you just want, uh, I think it's like objectively superior, I guess is what I'm saying. Like the, you know, yeah. you don't want to have, you can't drink Sun and Hill or Godspeed Lagers, for example, who are two breweries who have like hung their hat on We Do Lagers or, yeah. or Tooth and Nail, for example. Those three are probably the best three examples in the province. And then you can put up against basically anything in the world. You could put that up against Von Trapp in Vermont or I'm having a blank of anywhere else in the States, but I imagine there's a number of breweries down there that are just A1 or Slow Hand out in Vancouver who are phenomenal. And like there's so much, like you can't go and put that up against, you can't have that and then have a Bud Light and be like, you know, it's as good, and it's just factually not. It's just it's, yeah, it's it's objectively or not objectively. It's like factually different. Yeah, and but that's the thing is like um, you know, and I don't know really what I'm trying to say is, but like we can't. The reason craft beer got big, and the reason that it continues to be big is because we keep doing that. We keep telling people, yeah, you're fucking up by not getting into this, or you're doing you're doing it wrong. There's a better option, and and you know, but like. We can't stop doing that because people aren't seeking us out. Like when have mm, like yeah. you've never had a friend that's been like, "Hey, what's that beer? Like this this Bud Light tastes like shit. Can I try yours?" You fucking grab them by the shirt and you're like, "Put that down." <laughs> so like, yeah, that's not the way we need to do it. But like, we've never been. It's never really been that like hey, like, what is this? I want to seek it out. It's been like getting out there and bringing people in. And it's no, like you're- clear that if we stop doing that, then like our growth will will plateau and, and start to decline. Yeah. I think, I think the, like, the other thing about this too, 
when we're thinking about like you know trying to convert those but uh, like those bud light drinkers onto craft i think that, like, like there uh, like like we've talked about there's a lot of problems in craft beer and even if we're not talking about like kind of the like the deep seated institutional problems and uh, like and kind of a lot of the barriers that uh, like that come uh, that like with a lot of like even just to get anyone into the scene who aren't bearded white dudes yeah there like, like there are even barriers just purely from like just purely from an intimidation standpoint totally. and like like just the fact that uh, the, the, like the fact that we're so passionate even that like the fact that we can get so intense about it i feel can sometimes turn people off because it's like, like and some people it's the same like it's the same with people who like the, like who like their tim's coffee as opposed, as opposed to started. no but but like but this is but it's a real thing though it's the, yeah. like people who stand by like like who stand by their tims and it's the same people who stand like who stand by their bud light are that like are the folks who want something reliable like like they know that if they buy their case of bud light it doesn't matter if you're buying it from the beer store in Thunder Bay, or if you're buying a six pack from an LCBO in Ottawa, or if you're the, like, or if you're getting it on like on tap in Windsor, it doesn't matter. You're going to be getting that same product every single time. They like the reliability of that, and they they like they like the no must no fuss about it, and mm. they can be intimidated by kind of the intensity, uh, like of craft beer, and I, like like and I get it and. We need to like as we're trying to bring these people in. It's like it's it's a really really tough sell to try to like to try to be like this like and like and we mean it. We really truly mean it exactly like you were saying, Jeff. Like it's this is better. I swear to you, this is better. I want you to try this because I want you to enjoy this. I like I really really want this for you. I like I truly want this for you. There's nothing selfish about this. I want this for you. You like, like you will enjoy this more. We need to and, be more chill about it. We need to stop grabbing yeah. them on the shirts. We need to just <laughs> it, it, it it's, it's a, a but but it's like a perfect balance that we need to find collectively as an entire group of people and it's like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen, but we do collect what we need to take a chill and be like, okay, maybe we don't grab people by the shirt and drag them into the scene, but we do still have to tell them. We still have to be vocal because. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes. I, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not saying that we need to, like, I'm not saying yeah. that we need to like to tone down the goal because we still need, you know, because we still do need to want to convert those people. Totally. It's just, we need to, like, we need to find the way, that is not going to intimidate them out of their comfort zone because ultimately, like, because ultimately that's what they have. There is a real, like is a real comfort zone of reliability. If mm -hmm. we can approach that in a, like in a way that does not, like that does not intimidate them and does not make it feel like they need to make that big a leap. There is a way in which, like in which we can sell that. Well, I mean, 100, perhaps it's, how about instead of supporting multi-billion dollar multinational corporations that we support the yeah. hardworking Canadian small businesses, you know, tens of thousands of small businesses were put out of business over COVID and 
the small businesses are the core of communities. That's really what small businesses are. And particularly being that we're talking about liquids like third wave cafes, which I'm extraordinarily deeply passionate about and craft beer. Um, and that's the main thing is that I don't think they like, I've been there in the past too. With I, when I came to Canada, I drank Tim's all the time, but it was cause it was new and it was, um, I didn't drink coffee really in Australia. I came here and I drank the French vanilla thing, whatever, which is kind right. of some sort of powder. It's not even coffee. It's like, it, it, like it's, it, it's just one of those things that's deeply ingrained in the culture. I'm not surprised at all that, like that you had that, uh, like for the first, like right. the first time you came because over. it was it's, Canadian and it was fun. Yeah. And I drank Molson Canadian cause it said the word Canadian. And I love this country yeah. so much that I dreamed about coming back here. And like, you know, now that I, when I came here, I didn't learn about third wave coffee until about 2014 2015 when i in montreal and i lived in melbourne melbourne australia is the legitimate beginning of third wave cafe in the world and i uh, like third wave coffee sorry and i and i didn't even discover i drank hot chocolate before i left for fuck's sake so like but but i feel like i'm trying to just like almost display like hey man once i discovered don't you uh, you know how, how long do we live don't you want like the best of what you can get and like a latte at tim hortons is whatever a coffee there's a few bucks but you spend a couple bucks more and you get an infinitely better product while supporting a local business and the same thing applies to craft beer you could spend two dollars fifty or three bucks or whatever on a bud but then you can go spend four fifty five dollars on a town beer and like fidelity this phenomenal pilsner we're drinking right now and the drinking experience is is not even comparable. It's that much better. And I know that I'm supporting a small team of, I think you said 14, 15 people. And I know that I'm supporting a business that I want to see continue because you're providing a community hub. And, you know, all there's so many other benefits than just the product. And the product itself should be really the only benefit to convince people to do it. But there's and so many the, reasons. The experience, it's it really is the – it's full overall experience and if someone doesn't feel as though their experience or their life has been i know it sounds aggressive but unless their life has become better for to have taken this step to try this thing and that could be the liquid or it could be the sense of community or it could be the sense of uh the welcoming it could be a lot of different things that go with the experience of say coming to town brewery um the liquid's just one part, but like no one really latches on and comes back unless they feel as though they've gained something from it. And that's like our biggest thing is um, not bang for your buck, but just satisfaction. People leave feeling fulfilled. If they leave feeling fulfilled, they will come back. Yeah. And what, what like, causes a fulfillment do you think? Everything. The everything. liquid, the experience with the servers, the, art on the cans, the vibe in the tap room, the music that's playing, um, you know, the other people that are in there. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can interact and you can connect with people. And our, our audience is so diverse and our staff is so diverse that I think we do a good job of, of connecting with an array of different people for an array of different reasons. And that's, I think like, I was going to say like, you know, breweries are working harder and harder and harder for kind of the same results. And there are going to be breweries that don't make it. There are going to be breweries who continue to make it. And I think that you kind of need the full package right now. You need good mm. liquid. You need a good story. You need to be able to connect to your customers. 
and you need a sense of community because like, I don't know, you just, I just think that it's so competitive out there and you're, you're competing for people's time, which is, you know, we, we were living and then we went into COVID and we have more time than we knew what to fucking do with it. (laughs) And now we're going back to what it was like before COVID, but it feels like it's twice as hard as it was before COVID because we're not, we're not used to it. And it's like all of these different factors and you're competing for people's time. You're competing for people's money. And if they don't feel a sense of fulfillment, if they don't feel a sense of a real movement in, in and in a, in a kind of like an emotional reaction or connection to what you're, what it is you're trying to do, then I don't think you really stand a chance in, hmm. in keeping them. So I just think we really, really just have to focus on the whole package. And I, I probably have said that about a hundred times during this conversation, but it's just like, it's true. I think we have a very bright future, but I think we really need to all collectively as a, as a um, industry, just like really focus on making great products, making people feel as though they're welcome and making it, a, a, making a great product that's good enough to bring in the average customer. Yeah, Yeah. no, I I definitely agree. I also think it's one of those things where it's like, we've had good, you know, the good times for a hot minute. Like the last recession was what, 08? So I lost my job. I got like, I worked at a bank in Australia for fuck's sake. And the American shit that happened there lost me my job. I got paid a a chunk of money and I had a great, because that's the summer. I lost my job in December. I had a fucking six. (laughs) I was chilling with my boy at the beach. We were like, but I couldn't get a job for shit. It took me four months to get a job, but I didn't get a job till like March or April. And I lost my job like mid December. Um, So like, you know, that now we're operating with, beer had probably been mostly used to a good time an easy time when things were flowing people were interested boom 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 then we had this you know weird unprecedented situation and then now like you said we're coming into this new world where everything is normal but it's twice as hard and that's why i think it's like we're not used to this difficulty we're not used to like it's normal, but it's not normal. And it's, yeah. and, and breweries have to find their way. And unfortunately we've already lost one, you know, big one in on, and well, not big as far as size, but big as far as contribution in Barncat in Ontario, um, yeah. at the end of August, which is, is terribly sad. Um, and I you know, really hope that there's no, you know, that that isn't a recurring thing. And, uh, you know, the, unfortunately the reality is we are likely to lose more, and it's one of those things we just I have to figure it's inevitable. out. It's inevitable. You're right. We have to, when I say we, the the industry, the individual breweries and the, and everything just has to figure out how to, how to get by, how to make it through. What And I feel like it's not even really about thriving. And that's kind of what you're saying, Jeff, about the new normal is, the, is flat, like right. growth is flat. Um, it's not about thriving. It's about getting by to get to the next good time. And the good and, thing, yeah. And and after like all of this, and again, not trying to come up across negative, I just like thoroughly enjoy talking to people who like legitimately care about this industry and the scene as much as I do. But like, we've done, I think we've done like six or seven collabs in the last like six or seven months, and the like very very positive part of everything that's going on is there are so many good people working and owning and operating breweries and it's and everyone is like everyone that we've collabed with everyone that we've talked to is just like the the same thing just like you know they're just as passionate i I don't think that like i said before it's not worth it if you're not passionate 
So mm. the passionate people are the ones who are still doing it and who are still driving it and who are still setting the example as far as, uh, you know, um, community involvement, product, all that kind of stuff. And just like we've collabed with Fairweather, we've collabed with Badlands, we've collabed with Rouge River, with Muddy York, with Elora, with GLB, like, and like, I, it's like I'm a broken record when I'm telling my wife or I'm telling my friends or I'm telling the other staff about the collab day. I'm just like, they're just so great. They're just <laughs> great fucking people. And I'm like, they're just, I like, especially like Fairweather. Fairweather, I think they probably produce more beer than we do. I don't, I don't really know, but um, their vibe, I felt like I was at town when I was there. I just felt like everyone. I love Fairweather. Man, everyone who was working there was just like so great. They were yep. just kind and they were just they all had the time of day for to talk to us and they made myself and Caitlin feel so welcome and it was just like it was just like a really you 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 leave those collab days being like, you know what? It might not all be sunshine and rainbows, but we have a bright future due to the fucking people that are like grinding in this business and who are like yeah in it and are dedicated and are invested and who like don't just care about making a buck or how many IPAs they sold last week, but they really do care about like the people who buy their yeah. and the amount of people who come in and they know them by name and they know their order and it's like it's just it's it's a it's a it's a it reminds me again of like why we started this whole thing like during COVID it was like we were busy it was fine you know but like Friday at 4 p.m I'm turning the lights off and walking out the door and the whole brewery is pitch black and I'm like this isn't why we started this place we started this place so that there could be 15 people drinking beer here as I'm walking out and I'm like pissed that I gotta go home um and those times are kind of coming back and and yeah doing these collabs like that was a big focus for us is like hey man if we're if we're all going to make this work as a as an industry then we got to get out and we got to meet people we got to talk to people we got to collab with people we got to share ideas we got to share um you know our failures and our successes and it's been just an unbelievably great year in that regard i love that did the fairweather collab which is a fantastic segue um come about from the day that we went there and we yes. met him yeah yeah, yeah, I didn't know him either that day. We met him that day together. Yeah, we met Rom and he gave us like the tour. And then, um, yeah, it was a couple months later. I was like, man, we got to do that collab. So I just, I shot him an email because he gave me his, uh, he gave me his email that day and, and we connected and Rom's just like, he's a dude. Such a G. I, we, Nate and he's I had him on the pod. Dude. Me and Nate went because me and you went and then Nate came yeah. and then because I knew him after with, after you and I went. Uh, he came out, said hi to me and Nate, and then we told him about yeah. the pod. And then he got on the pod, and like, he was a phenomenal guest. Like, I'm su such huge fans of Fairweather, and I was very happy to see that uh, you guys did this beer right here that we're about to crack. And um, I ran, so I got I got their version. I love it. Where did the name? I'm gonna go get that. Uh, Nate, I imagine that's why you were asking me to go to Fairweather so I could grab that. Yeah, that is yeah. that is exactly why. <laughs> like you, you know, like, like, like I I get so fucking intense for West Coast IPAs these days, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and uh, like and and Fairweather, like 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 no word of a lie has made my fa like my favorite West Coast IPA in Ontario, uh, like of the past years, Cal like is California King, no question. Yeah. 
So this this beer is actually essentially a mashup of uh, a beer we did called Super Dope, and they're California King. So we spent some time on the phone just talking about what we do for recipes and all that, and um, incorporated some of the stuff that we were doing that they weren't, incorporated some of the stuff that they were doing that we weren't, and we really just kind of made the same beer at each spot. And um, La Push is That's actually cool. is uh, La Push is a beach. And I said it wrong in our video. I said it was in Oregon, but it's actually in Washington. And uh, Rom yeah, said that he used to, yeah, exactly. It's in the state. <laughs> Rom used to surf there with his buddies, or at least go there with his buddies. And uh, and he said it that that beach just reminds him of drinking West Coast IPAs with his bros. And I was That's like, he's like, man, I've, he's, he said he's been waiting to use uh, the name for West Coast. And uh, he said that I was like, we have we have to do it. The, the crazy thing is that Rom's wife does all the art for Fairweather. I don't know if you guys knew that. He did tell us on the pod. We yes. did. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that came. But she is like, man. She she drew that this, and I was like, dude, that is so sick. I wish I was as talented at anything in the world as she is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The thing. Uh, yeah, the the thing with like with Fairweather's artwork, and we talked about this on the pod, of course, is that like it's all like it like it feels like a wallpaper, and I, like I want to have all of their labels in like every room of my house. Yeah, yeah totally. It, um, uh, they do a great job, and the 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 beer is actually so. Um, I've got theirs. You guys have ours, and uh, they taste. They taste very similar. They're, they have their differences, but they do taste uh, they do taste pretty similar, and it's and I think in a good way. Oh, I'm oh excited. man! It, it, like we... it, it, it's it smells like weed. I love it. Oh yeah, gentlemen, fucking get it in you, as the kids say. Cheers. Cheers. Oh yeah, there we go. There they, we go. Like. West Coast IPAs are something that uh, me and this gentleman, Nathaniel, are extraordinarily passionate about. So to know that like two of our favorite breweries in the province work together on this is so sick. Um, this is great, bro. Do you know what the hops are off, off the dome? Bomb. Yeah, this one is we did uh, Mosaic, Cashmere, and Simcoe. And then they swapped. So the one you guys are drinking is Mosaic Cashmere Simcoe. And they swapped out the cashmere, I believe, um, for something else. I forget. But it was like, okay, so we do this in the kettle. And they're like, okay, we do this in the kettle. And we kind of mashed that up. And then we talked about dry hop. And we mashed that up. And then we took – we used cashmere and, uh, and uh, Simcoe and Super Dope. They had been we, – we essentially just like kind of mashed them together and said, okay, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And we made the same beer except for like one hop on the dry hop. Um, but, yeah, I'm super happy with it. It's like it, – it's easy drinking. Like most of the West Coast IPAs that we've been making, and we've made probably four or five in the last year, um, they have been like super easy drinking. They are – they do have their bitterness. Um, they have – generally a bigger dry hop than i think the old west coast ipas had um but i think that we could we could maybe do one where we're like really go overboard on the bitterness and see if we can get something that's a little more like 2006 2000 
Um, but yeah, I love this beer. I, I think it's it's super super nice. It's like dry, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm this still- is phenomenal. Did you come and actually you actually brewed it there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you didn't you didn't holler at me, huh? <laughs> okay. You were in and out. In and out. I see. I see what it is, Jeffrey. That's okay. Yeah, I'm rude. It's rude. That one afternoon. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. But I'm. I'm. I'm mad at you. I'm playing, but I'm mad at you. But I'm. Mad, but I'm playing. Well, actually, pretty mad. <laughs> I'm playing, but I'm actually fucking furious. He's, he, he's playing, but you're not friends anymore. Yeah, no. Exactly. Next time, I'm not going to hug you. I'm dead to you. <laughs> Don't Damn even it. say that as a joke, Jeffrey. Um, no, this is this is fucking fantastic, bro. Like, and like, I, I think you're so right. The 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 you know the. It was cool to me and you were just hanging out. So like me and Jeff, we went to we went to brunch at St. James and then we went to Fairweather for a beer. And we just happened to this I think I posted the social media guy was like, Oh hey. And he's like, Hey, aren't you Jeff? He recognized you as well because he knew me from the post. And then gun gun and got round, we got to medium, and it was just cool to see that because that day led to this collab that led to Nate and I having him on the podcast. And then when Nate came there, we got to meet him before that. So it was like a whole bunch of things came from just popping in there and having a, a beer in a on a fall yeah. afternoon, yeah. you know. And it's and it's dope and it, it's uh, it's very cool. I'm happy to be in a in a city that uh, has such phenomenal brewery with such great people. And I love, excuse me, seeing you guys did this and that the fact that like when I think of town, I think of Crispies and Hayes, but yeah, to see that you guys come through on on a phenomenal West Coast with you know even Fairweather does Barrington. Dude, he's like getting into the West Vlateran, uh <laughs> the bottles here. He's like he busting out the Westies, my guy. You want the oh, it's a Westie twelve? Oh shit! Okay, big boy. Um, and to, yeah, he wants to get fucking lit. He's like, stop this like five percent stuff, buddy. You need the ten. I'm like, all right, all right, jeez, I'm he's one. Um, <laughs> but you know, to do you, you guys, uh, you know. Just to come together on the West Coast and do it like this is 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 super cool, man, and very cool. Have you done as town? Because I don't recall off the top of my head that you guys have done a ton of West Coast IPAs. Um, we've done we recently, like in the last year, we've done four or five. Um, fuck yeah! We actually have a uh, so we're experimenting this, with this like seasonal thing at the LCBO. So we have microdose in this summer, so that goes from like May two four until Labor Day, mm-hmm. and then. The beer that we mashed up with Cali King, which is called Super Dope, is going in to the LCBO this fall. So it'll be in from like uh, Labor Day until like it'll be essentially like September, October, November. Oh, yeah. So there's two different collabs. So there's this one, which was the West Coast that you did either side. And then. The no. Second- so so this one, the, the collab is essentially a mashup between our Super Dope and their Cali King. And then we did both. At like we we brewed one at at town and one at Fairweather, but then that beer from our side, uh, super dope, that was like the mashup beer for this one, is gonna go into the LCBO in the fall. And oh, then super we dope itself, gotcha. Yeah, and then we had another one, uh, Unknown Legend was another uh, uh, Westie that we did, and then cool Better name. Better Days, which was uh, which was really nice as well. I think we made that one twice, maybe three times. Sounds but the White Coast IPAs are killing it, man. Like they're people are loving them. Like they're not selling quite as fast as the New England's, but like they're very, very close. I would say. Yeah. I'd love to hear that. Um, 
I'm seeing this. I guess I haven't had any of these. That's that's disgusting. I apologize. Um, <laughs> I just like you know, it's Nate rude, and I, really. It's re- it truly is, Nathaniel. I'm I'm a rude man. And I mean, I I haven't had any of them either, unfortunately. So <laughs> well, we'll make sure that we do. We'll make sure we get them. Um, like we did a whole episode about West Coast IPAs because we just felt like they weren't being represented. Um as heavily as far as in maybe like, you know, content and stuff, you know, you see these pretty New Englands all the time and that's fantastic yeah. and we all love them and like it's it's life. But West Coast is something that the two of us are specifically um, passionate about alongside lagers and to see more of them from two breweries who, who do them so fucking well, man, like this is this is fantastic. I, like, I, I feel like it's the same thing. Like it's going to take breweries to reintroduce. Like, you know, I feel like brewers... Yeah made lagers and pilsners because that's what they wanted to drink and that kind of got through the zeitgeist of you know they're just always there and they're so damn good because the brewers wanted them to be damn good and i think it's the same with west coast it's like bringing things back because there's a whole generation of brew uh, of, of drinkers who have never had a west coast ipa before and they didn't you know yeah no i agree and the and like that's the thing like if you're a new craft beer drinker in the last four years you might have never even seen a west coast ipa exactly so on the board and you'd be like what the fuck is a west coast ipa and like oh my god come on but it's i also think that the west coast ipas that we are making now are more approachable than the west coast ipas that we finished with in the west coast ipa kind of like ages you know what i mean oh mm-hmm. definitely definitely from like a west coast I, or then it was an ipa or an american ipa and then it became the yeah. west coast and then it was like 80 IBUs, 100 IBUs, 120 IBUs, like the race to the most IBUs. And it's like I was saying, like, this is a borderline like 40, 50 IBUs. It's nowhere near what we were we were getting before, which is like, you know, scorch your taste buds off your tongue, kind of like bitterness. So I think it is a more approachable version of the West Coast IPA. But I was saying, like, I wouldn't mind tossing one in that's like 80 or 90 just to see what it's like. Um, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be right at your doorstep for that. Yeah, totally. Right. Like remind you of like the, like fracture, like Amsterdam fracture was one of the first like West coast double IPAs that I had. That was just like, like, I just felt like I was breathing hops afterwards. Right. But I mean, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. These types of West coast IPAs I think are a more approachable version. I think that the new England IPA has had impact on our West coast IPAs that we're making now. Yeah, uh, you know we're definitely dry hopping them the same that we're dry hopping our our New England IPAs, and I know that that wasn't happening pre New England IPA. Um, no, 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 no. But no. it's nice. It's a nice influence, I think, and it makes for a very, um, it's a very different beer than a New England, but a very uh, unique and kind of like it's a unique. I don't know. It's just like a. It's like a sub. It's a sub West Coast. I think the one, and I'm not this beer specifically. I just mean like in general. And I've had like the ones from Blood Brothers and the ones from Bellwoods and the ones from kind of all over. And it's like, yeah, they're all kind of that same thing. Actually, one brewery that's making them like I remember them tasting like, uh, you know, pre New England is uh, Sankiem. I don't know you're yes. a Sankiem. Their West Coast IPAs yes. are like are like gnarly in a good way. Like this brings me back to the days of like pine tar not all of them yes like and this isn't a negative i'm saying like i love it perfect but it was no no it's 
Bro, I know I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I like I like I go insane for their West Coast IPAs, and they're like and they're local for me. They're a 25 minute drive away. Like, like, like when they like, like when they release uh, like, like when they release a new West Coast or re-release an old West Coast. Like like I'm there on release day. My like my absolute favorite beer. Like I like I would go so far as to say it's my single favorite beer that they brew is Sequoia. Uh, like one of their double West Coast IPAs, and it, like exactly like you're saying, the pine tar. It's the, like like the super sticky, sappy, re- like resinous thing there. Talk, talk that shit. Like it's it's just insane. Yeah. It's my favorite beer. It, it, it's my favorite beer that they make. It like it's it, like, and and the hop combo that they that, like that they used to make that is like is absolutely wild. It's an unconventional combo for West Coast, but it works so fucking well yeah it's like a new era of west coast like it's it's not how they used to be jeff like you're talking about the palate wrecking thing it's like now the west coast have been i think like you kind of alluded to were met were influenced by the approach to new england's so now west coasts are multi piney and resinous but balanced not as intense and juicy and tropical which they weren't really before it was just straight these amber malt bombs but now they look like this and this is more the norm and these ones aren't sweet no not at all well we use a little bit of darker like kiln malt munich um vienna just to like add a little bit of color and a little bit of caramel bready sweetness but it's like not no crystal malt no bullshit it's just it's it's honestly like our brewers and our staff are drinking them probably more than the hazies and i think it's because it's just like it's almost like a clearer picture of what the hops really taste like because there's like this what you know what i mean i don't know hide it different and don't get me wrong like my fridge is full of west coast and hazies and lagers like i don't i like them all but uh but yeah it's just uh it's nice i like it it's a welcome change yeah man and it, it was just very cool because, like, you know, like Fairweather doing Cali King, which they've done a couple of times, and, uh, you know, I always made sure I grabbed that. And then to see them come back with a different one, because I don't think they have done either many or any other um, West Coast IPAs. And to see that they've come out with that, you guys have done like a handful now, but like, you know, yeah. it just makes, makes drinkers like Nate and I very happy to see that that's what's happening. Like two phenomenal breweries with amazing people coming together and doing this type of shit. <laughs> Excuse me, geez. When you could have done, you know, some sort of haze thing. Yeah. Which would have been amazing too. But I think like this is, I was about to say more important just because it's so different and it's like diversifying. It gets me more excited. It gets me, it gets me more excited. Definitely. And it's, it's funny because it's what, like getting together and talking to breweries and brewers and brewery owners, it's what they want to make. You know, they want like, they want to make this stuff. Okay. When you get together with collabs, it's like let's make something that the people want. Obviously, you got to give the people what they want. It's true, but at the same time, it's like, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Like we just released a beer yesterday with Great Lakes. There was an XPA, and so it's kind of like in between a pale ale and an IPA. It's got the malt content of uh, more of like a West Coast hops, kind of more like a New England, but it's like a really really great dry mid alcohol uh hop expression and it's like that that one was really cool because what we did is like uh 
Lackey and Troy and a couple of the other guys and girls from GLB showed up to the brewery and they brought all the hops for the brew, but they didn't tell us what was in it. Didn't tell us. They like mixed all the hops up in different bags and just labeled like Whirlpool and dry hop. And then we did the same thing. We took a bunch of bags of hops, put tape over the labels and we just put Whirlpool and dry hop. And then we took the hops there. So we still to this day don't even know. What the, they're going to tell us next week what the hops actually are, but we released the beer this Thursday not knowing what the hops in our, our own beer are. Um, but it's like, it was just kind of like a, you know, a cool way to to make it interesting. But talking to Lackey, he's like, yeah, you know, like I like New England's and stuff, but I like it, you know, a little bit, I like, love the hop flavor, love the hop aroma, but a little bit crispier, a little bit easier drinking, a little bit lighter on the gut. Like, you know, you can't have these big, sweet, beers all the time anymore we're getting old right so we gotta <laughs> uh, i mean that's facts another thing that made me really happy is that that's xba as an aussie uh style oh, no. um, funnily enough so i knew that you had done the first xba in ontario that i was aware of and yeah. i was speaking to jacob earlier this year from Sankiem and we did a collab we mean to do a collab and he was like what do you want to do do you want to do something like and I was like well you know I always like lean into anything Australian so we did an XPA for their anniversary in May pardon I never had that how was it oh, it was phenomenal I have some for you so I should uh I, I got some left it's um more than two weeks <laughs> it's okay because it's the west coast <laughs> that, that, that's a fair point it's uh it wasn't a new england it was called straya oh yeah and i saw that I saw yeah that. yeah so i got some for you don't worry um because i said to the guy they did a six percent version because i had yeah. the bolt the the sort of quintessential one in australia is by this brand called bolter from queensland who was yeah they got bought out but they were owned by the surfer dude um yeah. and uh I remember drinking them down there and I was like, okay, I see what's going on with these XPA shit. So I wanted yeah. to do something different. So we decided, you know, we kept it kind of lighter. They did a really great job because Sankiem does the wet. We decided on the West Coast angle because you, because for link up, uh, here, fucking Great Lakes did the, um, did a, uh, oh, they did an XPA, didn't they? They did a New England XPA. Yeah. So I love that they did that and they had they didn't tell us what they were doing because when we do link up as you know because you were in the first ever series um they didn't uh, we don't interfere with the beer so most of the time the brewers don't even tell us what they're doing so I didn't know that they were doing that and we'd already decided to do that wow. for um Sankiem because I was like well look no one in Canada has done it except the town that I'm aware of so this would be the first in Quebec and then as soon as we did that then Great Lakes went and did that then I saw you guys did one either side which was cool because it's the same two breweries in Ontario that are doing it and then we did it out there and I just did it because I wanted an Australian style so like I think an XBA is a, is a fantastic beer and it's really cool to see something different. And, you know, we use Aussie hops in that intentionally as well, but doesn't obviously doesn't have to be, you can make a new England version. You can do a West coast version. There's so yeah. many different sort of variants you can do. So I thought it was super sick that, um, you guys even dabbled in a style like that, which is quite unorthodox, uh, mm -hmm. particularly. Go. Yeah. Just cool. Cause, uh, I follow a lot of Australian brews. I have like a, um, I have like a deep rooted love for Australia, even though I've never been there. I feel like I should have been born there. Um, I respect that. Who's your favorite breweries? I mean, I've never really drank their beer. I mean, like from the outside, I mean, I loved Balter because I know Mick Fanning and the surfer who owned it. And I know they got bought out, but they, the do, a really, cool. they do a really great job on uh, their marketing and their branding. 
uh, Stone and Wood, I think, are like kind of OGs with the Pacific Ale. So we even did a Pacific Ale. Uh, like that? Have you had Stone and Wood Pacific Ale? Never had it in my life. Yeah, based, the whole, based the whole idea off of just like <laughs> right on the internet. Okay. So we, did, uh, we did a Pacific Golden Ale. Uh, we did an XPA. And the XPA was, again, just based off like what I read people's comments about how Balter XPA tastes. And like, oh, well, we should try and do that. Um, that's cool, but it's man. Really interesting too to you know you can get bogged down or just like making the same shit all the time, and then and then like you can also you know fall into the trap of just like trying to reinvent the wheel completely and be like, well, what if we put this herb or that fruit or this and that? And it's like, well, there's all these styles that are popular throughout the world that are popular for different reasons. You know, why not try and do that? It's like a tried and tested uh style just not in our country or just not in this region right so mm. a couple of those were cool and and actually we it was funny because when we did like the uh xpa we did a tasting in toronto and some guy from australia it was at toronto brewing come up from australia he's like this reminds me of home this is fantastic like, oh I, yeah i wasn't there but uh the staff member was like oh yeah i had this australia guy come up to me and tell me it tasted like home so, and i was like well, I'm glad because I literally have no idea what the beer tastes like. <laughs> I do uh, to copy, but I was like, that's good. But well, things like that too. And those are the ways that you can get more people interested in beer and, and that, right? Like you've got yeah, man. that's from all over the world living in Canada. So, you know, you've got an Australian who's moved here and they don't give a shit about craft beer, but then they see oh. XPS in some menu at some bar and they're like, oh, that that kind of reminds me of home. What's that? And then they start asking questions and you know, one thing leads to another. That's the point. And that's really, uh, that's a great example of how it can go, how it can sort of, you know, tap into different people. People are traveling again, obviously. And you know, that's what, you know, if they pull up and see that on a menu, like you said, you know, there could be some dude who's like a casual beer drinker who just drinks like basically stone and wood and Bolter. They're kind of more the, they're the bigger one. Right. The regional larger one, you know, yeah. Bolt is from Queensland, Stone of Wood is from New South Wales, but they're like the bigger ones. Whereas, like, you know, my favorite brewery is Banks. They're like the homies. They like they are the like the town sort of brewery of of Melbourne, um, and they're doing the haze pastries, fucking lagers, blah blah blah. I just got a shipment of their stuff recently. Well, not a shipment. A friend came up and brought it to me and. I love it. I love him so much. They're just the go. I like, you know, I brought him last time I went, I brought him a bunch of beers from Vermont and New York and I gave him a cream ale from other half. And then he made the first cream cream ale. Um, cr um, what's it called? The cream oat cream IPA, oat cream IPA. Oh, is what yeah, it was. Sorry. I was going to say that didn't sound quite right. <laughs> no cream ale. Like, come on. It was the O <laughs> other half. O O H dot, dot, dot that one. And yeah. he made the first, because of that beer that I brought him, he made the first uh, Oak Cream IPA in Australia, and then now it picked up as a style because of that. And I was yes. super stoked to be able to bring that to that dude because I met him pretty early on, and he's always yeah. been a G. And like, like my friend went and saw him, and he like gave him a bunch of beer to bring up to me, and I was fucking stoked because I want to try his newer stuff and see where the Australian scene is at. And I'm super proud. Like it's great. They do everything fantastic. Yeah, um, awesome. Yeah, it's it's really cool, man. But yeah, all of that, that's how shows, you know, beer is, is international and it, it's, it does speak to something. And that's kind of like a, a great example, like you're saying, like the, the expat 
I didn't really know about X. I didn't know about XPAs. I don't even know if it existed. To be fair, when I moved here 13 years ago, but someone who's coming up now and just coming up to Toronto area and then just being like, oh, I see this XPA from this town brewery. Oh shit, let me try that. That's local. And then they get nostalgic, and then they, you know, it it just sort of maybe piques people's curiosity. And I think that's really what it's about. You got to pique someone's curiosity to get them to make the plunge, whether it's at the LCBO, go to a brewery, at a bar for a licensee, whatever it might be to then, you know, you know, give it a crack. And I think beer is in a better position than other things. If you're going to buy a bottle of gin, it's 30, 40, 50 bucks. You're going to buy a bottle of wine. It's going to be 20, 30, 40 bucks. You're going to buy a can of beer. It's going to be three, four, five, six dollars, maybe 10 bucks. And it's less of a gamble. So I think we're, if we look at it in a you know glass half full type of situation, beer is a more affordable alternative to something that is much more expensive. That you know if you get something and it isn't to your taste, well you know yeah. it's a few bucks less. It's not like you lost forty bucks by this bottle of gin. You're like ah, this is shit. You know, yeah. so it's I a bright it's, future ahead. We are we're we're competing for people's money. I feel like. We're competing, like we're not competing as much against each other. I think I feel like we need to band together. We need to stick together. We need to like move forward together as an industry, so that we can then gain people's trust and we can then gain people's um, investment. Or, or you know, that people have a, a finite amount of of money that they can do things with, and it's not that we have to start competing brewery to brewery. For people's you know experience we need to actually band together and say hey we're like we're still this community that's very welcoming and that you know we want you to be a part of because we can show you something that's better and i think i that's i strongly strongly feel like we all need to get on the same page in that regard and not that we're not but we need to continue to be on the same page and we need to continue to like push forward together so that we can gain people's trust and gain people's um just just gain more and more followers we need to replace the people who are who are who are moving away so yeah that's like essentially like my feeling and and i again after doing all these collabs this year i feel like we're in a phenomenal spot with some of the best people in the world who are doing those things and so as as um you know aware we are about what challenges might lie ahead i feel like we're in a good spot could not agree more. I, I think you really are. The collabs have definitely been extremely impressive. Yeah. More just from like a community building. Th- and I, I don't know, man. I have like a, an, in, an insane soft spot for you in town just because we did the pod with you guys when you were open a, a couple of months. And we normally don't do that because I don't think it's fair. I think Brewery needs to dial it in. But I feel like you and we, we clicked immediately. And just yeah. watching the growth and the changes, I'm just like, every time anything happens, it's fine. I'm like, fucking yes jeff's killing it bro <laughs> like I'm yes. pr- like it makes me genuinely happy and obviously yeah. i know that we all feel the same as we like that's there's different soft spots for different breweries and you know, we've you know you worked at mill street and i drank mill street i remember at the very beginning when i was discovering yeah. beer and uh they meant a lot to me in wellington and and muskoka and different you know things around those times and you know everyone has their little things so it's just it's cool to see just the growth of everything and like while sometimes the, you know, like the we the world survived the depression in the twenties or whatever, so 
I feel like whilst there's a bit of a shit time right now, like there's always brighter times around the corner. So we just have to sort of get through it. And one way, like you said, is via that community. So it's really cool just to see that there's breweries like town that are sort of very focused on that, that are looking to keep that community feeling alive. And, you know, you doing a beer with Fairweather, because I know I saw both of the beers go out on both of the email newsletters, you know. And then both of you guys are, are promoting each other to those very, you know, very decent followings that both of you have. Yeah. Decent's probably not even a good word, like substantial followings that, you know, of passionate people. And, and maybe there's some fair weather drinkers that in ha- here in Hamilton or, or beyond that don't know about town. Like, oh, what's yeah. this about? Who are these guys? Whippy? Fuck yeah, I'm going to head down to Whippy. All right. You know, it's, um, it's great. We've got people who buy our beer who aren't beer nerds. They're, they buy our beer because they live in Whippy and they like our product. They stumbled across us one day. And legitimately, as I'm writing the, the release post for uh, La Push, I'm like, if you haven't been to Fairweather and you are ever find yourself in Hamilton, like, you need to go there. If you like yeah. us, you'll like them. So, like, just fucking go. Absolutely. Like, that's Guaranteed. my now of grabbing someone's shirt and telling them that their butt light sucks and they need to drink this. It's like, all right. All I can say is if you haven't fucking gone, you're missing out and you need to go. And that's what it yeah. is. It comes from a I, place I, of love. Yeah, I support that 100%. And you know what, Jeff? Like in your newsletter, that's a place to grab people by the shirt. 100%. Oh, yeah. The thing, right? It's the uh, – that's, that's They signed the up. That's the way we can respectfully do. It. Yeah, they've they've opted into the newsletters. So. They've opted yeah. into the t-shirt grab. You know, like uh, exactly, it's, exactly. It's it's, it's it's consensual at that point. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. That's the best way to put it. All right. Do we want to do the uh, the last beer? And uh, we yeah, can bring we, this. yeah, we, we we should crack we should crack open the last one for a closer. Yes, I just oh. didn't want to make sure. I know we're getting a bit late in the I'll evening, right but back. yeah, mate, no worries. Um, as the West Coast fiend here, I feel like you and I, I feel like I feel like you're like a touch more. I think, do you think it's fair to say that you are just one little step above me as far as the obsession with West Coast? I would uh, like, I, I would say so. Like, like, I go mad for them at this point. And, and like, like, and I was like, I was really, oh my God. It's like, so like good. I, I was crushing hard on this one. It, like, even just on the nose alone. As I'm like, and even as I'm taking a sip, I'm still getting that whiff of smoke, like that whiff of weed smoke as I'm coming through here. And like, holy shit, that's good. It's it's gorgeous. Uh, so happy with this. Um, we're doing something extraordinarily interesting now. We're bringing it back, bringing so it back. This, to this one's <laughs> team Lactose. Bit, we got Team Lactose in the house. We don't. We have, right we have a lactose beer in I th- I would say three years. Um, but that's our head offensive. Room, yeah, that is offensive. <laughs> for Mike, who is an absolute legend. Um, uh, he, oh, I didn't even show it. Oh, here we go. I cracked it. I can't turn idiot. it sideways. <laughs> I know, I'm a dickhead. I was supposed to turn it sideways. Low tide. Low tide. Let's go. La Push, which is a beach to low tide. Look at that. Mike, uh, Mike has been on me for some time now about making a coconut milkshake IPA. Um, and not that I didn't want to make it, but it's just like every, there was always something else that kind of snuck into that position in the production schedule. Um, and then it got to the point, like, I felt like he was, if we didn't make it, he was going to quit. And I just can't have that because he's such a legend. (laughs) 
Um, so I'm like, all right, we got to do this. So we did it. And um, he did a phenomenal job on this beer. We collaborated on most of the recipes, but this one was, was all him. Um, it was, uh, we, we, we dabbled in the lactose. We didn't go super heavy in the lactose. So you're not going to get like a super, super, super silky, uh, mouthfeel, but you'll get a little bit of that extra sweetness, a little bit of that extra mouthfeel. And then we, um, we dosed it hard with, um, toasted coconut, no coconut flavoring or any bullshit like that. Just straight up. Just real, real shit. After we dry hopped it, uh, we put it on the coconut for, I think, three days cold and just let it really seep in. And uh, I, not that I didn't think I would, not that I thought I would dislike this beer, but I didn't think I would love it. Um, I, I love this beer. I think it's great. I think it turned out awesome. I think the coconut and the, uh, the hop character are super well balanced and uh, the sweetness the lactose, the 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 uh, dimension that the lactose brought is, I think, enough without being overbearing. So, I love I, that. I love hearing it. And it's Citra, um, El Dorado, and Talus hops. Is that correct? Yeah, we didn't want to go Sabro. We actually kind of created. I, I personally hate Sabro. I, I know some people oh, like it. Some how people don't. Dare you? I hate it. Um, this is what I feel like Sabro should taste like. Okay. So, well, gentlemen, if I can get that in you. Cheers. Team Lacos for life. Mm hmm. Gang, gang. Ooh. Okay. Okay, Jeffrey. Jeffrey Alexander. Is that your middle name? I feel like it's Alexander. It's not, but I mean, I'll take it. Can I guess? <laughs> Will I guess it? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. Oh, okay. It's one of those. Okay. Never mind. Justin, Gary. No, Justin. Justin's no one's middle name of all time. I don't David. think that's ever a middle name. Elijah. You always named after your, your middle name's usually your grandpa or something. Yeah, no my mine's my dad. Joke. Yeah, no, 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 mine's also my dad. Oh, look, gang, gang. I love that. I was doing this family history thing recently, and it's like it's like a whole thing. Even like I found out my dad's older sister, her middle name is my grandma's name, so it's like some sort of like thing in the family i had no idea it's intense fucking family trees mate uh well like can i keep guessing or is no point bobby joe i would never have guessed that but don't robert, lie. robert joseph but i like i like saying oh. bobby joe. okay so, so so you, you you've Jeffrey got like, you, you've got joseph. the catholic you, you, so you've got the catholic second middle name thing like i've got <laughs> oh yeah big time robert yeah, joseph I, I, what I, are I, you nathaniel that didn't work out I, so I, well I, <laughs> so, so, my, so my middle names are Philip Joseph. There Ooh, you go. double Joseph. Billy Joe. I love oh. it. All right. What do you guys think of this beer? This is fucking great. This coconut. Yeah, this is awesome. Wow, because it's all legit coconut. This is no... Uh, no. on this one because uh, while you, you're literally wearing a Team Lacto shirt. Well, this right, is man. what we're here for. And I know I pitched you collabs, <laughs> uh, lactose collabs, like a few, like pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fuck, man. This is like, I know what you mean about the subtleness, and I think like the subtleness of the lactose. I know Nate and I probably used to joke in the past, maybe about the oh fuck, uh, lactose, but like, 
you know, that was more just to piss people off. I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, we don't, we, we don't really give a fuck about it anymore. Like, no, we, we <laughs> at all. We didn't care. We we didn't care all that much about it literally back then, and we care even less about it now. But yeah, uh, like, uh, but this, but this is genuinely great. I mean, coconut adds, uh, like, especially when you can create such awesome tropical flavors from hops. Mm. Coconut yeah. is such a, like is such a nice compliment to it, and yeah. um, I think I, like, like while I don't hate Sabro. I think that genuine coconut flavor is like is better than like like, like than the coconut flavor that like that you get off of Sabro and like this is this compliments complements it really nicely I think mm. for sure mm. yeah it's like it's, a, it's not subtle by any means it's all there but it's like you know balanced is such a like an overused bullshit kind of word but it actually kind of is in that way it's just kind of like all pieces together uh, yeah pretty well mm. i'm not sure if i'm getting a still some of the west coast in here so talk us through some of the tasting notes because like i don't know if uh, you still write the tasting notes right i do they're exceptional like your tasting notes have always been so so I did, unique I did for a while oh, uh uh i didn't for a while but i have for the last probably like two years okay it's I, I don't know I just like the way that you, I feel like you're able to pull back to me you got them there in front of you I've got the well I always okay it says uh low tide was brewed with lactose for a fuller body and silky finish then hopped with citra eldorado and talus and finally conditioned on mountains of toasted coconut it all came together beautifully for a beer with so much going on that surprisingly balanced is still a, a fun little flavor punch to the kisser but a balanced punch to that enjoy I would have put get it in you personally but I respect it yeah just so you know, it's uh, trademark now. I think the uh, the balance is the key on this one. I don't think that every beer needs to be balanced, and that might be sound super stupid, but this one, there's just uh, there's a lot going on. But we did dry hop with Citra Eldorado uh, Talus. Talus has, I don't know if you guys know a lot about Talus. Talus is was in Mad Nice, was one of the IPAs that we used to have regularly, and in the LCBO. Um, but Talus is a really beautiful hop. It's, I think, super unique. It has kind of like a cedary vibe to it, mm. um, as well as some like cream caramel coconut-ish. It's like a, maybe like a Sabro light with a little bit more cedar. But um, Cedar. And then you can't go wrong with Citra, obviously. Ever. Uh, and Eldorado, we were – Eldorado, I get – I actually kind of hate Eldorado. We use it quite a bit, but I get like super, super, super candy vibes off of Eldorado a lot. Um, one of our most popular double IPAs is uh, one we haven't made in a while, but it's called Brain Space, and it's like an Eldorado bomb. And I like, I like actually kind of can't stand it. Um, <laughs> it's just Eldorado. Kind of every beer I've ever we've ever made with Eldorado, I wasn't a big fan of. Um, but Mike was like, I've had that. Mike kind of thought it would play off of the coconut and maybe give it because coconut's not sweet; it just is perceived to be sweet, and that's kind of the same thing with yeah. Eldorado. Yeah, it's not sweet; it's just perceived to be sweet. It's like coconut milk; it does. It's not actually sweet; it just tastes sweet. Um, so it's like the the balance of having the cedary kind of like earthy vibes from the talus, 
a perceived kind of like candy sweetness from the El Dorado. And then you really can't go wrong with putting uh, Citra in, in anything that involves an IPA. A little bit of that citrus kind of a punch to it. And then, yeah, with the lactose and the coconut. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all, you know, just a, uh, a, a uh, guess. It's like, okay, well, how much of this do we put in? How much? And, and you can add more, but you can't take any more out. So it's like, that's why when I say I'm really happy with the balance, it's like, you know, it's a calculated risk, but the calculated risk worked out well for this one. I agree. Did you put any vanilla I'm, in it? Sorry. No, we actually thought about that. It's funny that you say that because <clears throat> vanilla is one thing that you can add like right in the bright tank because it's literally just liquid. You just blast it and mix it up and you're good to go. Um, and I said that to Mike, uh, do you think we should add a little bit of vanilla? Like, do you think it, it needs a little more sweetness? And he's like, he's like, he's like, fuck no, this is the best beer I've ever made. Like, like, this is like, don't touch this. Okay. But like, you know, it says milkshake. Do you think it needs a little bit more milkshake? He's like, no, absolutely not. Not happening. I'm like, all right, if you're that conviction, like if your conviction is that much to say, like, it's not happening, I'm like. I'm fine with that. And I respect um, the confidence. A hundred percent. Like if he felt that passionately about it, I'm like, I'm not fucking that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but then once it, again, like the, the, the toughest part is like the beers in the fermenter. It can be cold for four weeks. It goes to the bright tank. It tastes different. And then the bright, it can be in the bright tank for three days cold, carbonated the same. It's going to be in the can. It goes to the can. It tastes different. So it's like, you know, like there's always changes. Um, mm -hmm. And I, he probably, he probably envisioned the change better than I did. Cause he's like, no, it doesn't need it. And then as soon as it went to the can, I'm like, this beer is perfect. So no, he did a, he did a great job and he loves this. Beer. We joke because every video he does, like we do those um, like intro videos for our release videos. They're brilliant. Yep. We're like, dude, for like a month, he's like, this is the best beer I've ever made. <laughs> And two weeks later, he's like, fuck that beer. This is the best. <laughs> and then literally the next time, he's like, all right, guys, I was lying before. This is the best beer we've ever <laughs> So, um, just a Mike. He really, uh, Mike's the best. Um, and I, I told Keith, I would shout it out to Keith tonight. So he'd be mad if I didn't. Um, shout and, Keith. Mike, uh, Mike loves this beer. And, uh, it's, I think it's great. It's again, this is where it's like even me as like a beer guy who's getting old and washed up. I'm like coconut milkshake no, IPA. Would I, would I grab that off the shelf? I don't know. But now that I got it in my glass, like like do I enjoy it? Like fuck hell it. yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, I'm four years older than you, so you're not old and washed up because I'm not <laughs> old and washed up. Okay, so you need to relax, Jeffrey. Yeah, you look great. Thank you. Uh, you know they got the grays, but we out here. So one thing I did. He, he, he looks okay. Who, yeah, Jeff yeah. or me? You know, you know. <laughs> I, I do what I can. You know, the beer doesn't do me any favors in the lower belly region, but, you know, we out here. We're trying to do what we can. Um, One thing I did want to give you ultimate props for, and I, don't, I, I imagine you've noticed this. You talked about those videos that you make on Instagram, and yeah. uh, you've been doing those for a few years now, I would say. Um, yeah. 
they are exceptional. They're very uh, personable. You know, that starts with like an outtake, and it has someone from the team. It's you or it's Caitlin, uh, who is her husband Tim has been a, a friend of mine who's uh, you know yeah. been trading beers for a while. He's a fucking legend. Shouts to Tim. You're a champion, Tim. <laughs> Never met in person, but I fucking loved him. Uh, he always hooks me. Sometimes he just go and just hook me up and just send me a bunch of like pumpkin beers. I'm like, you are a sweetheart. And when he had, to, he, he knows won the some, way to your heart there. Oh, did and he won some like uh, bourbon or scotch or something cool in like SAQ, and he's like, "Can I send it to you?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, you can send it to me." And he tried to tried to pay me for the shipping. Like, fuck you, Tim. You yeah, guys send me shit. Get out of my face with that, Tim. Let me pay you back for the gloriousness you gave me. So I really, I fuck with Tim and Caitlin's a sweetheart too. Um, the, I lost completely what I was saying. What was I saying, Jeff? What was I saying? Oh yeah, the videos. So you have yeah. the team doing the videos. Um, and I really feel like they've become a staple of the town social media. And I'm not going to say any names, but I've noticed some other breweries doing what you guys are doing. I've seen that as well. I've How do you seen feel? that as well. There's a there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's a few. been a few copycats for sure. How do you feel, Jeffrey, being the triple OG of the uh, video style? And then where did that come from? Where did that idea come from? I love it. Uh, anybody who does anything, I love it, man. I just want people to do uh, good shit. And if it gets people You're to buy more, man. then I'm fucking down. Because um, also, like, you know we we did definitely didn't like create that um it was the know. first time i saw it as a social media dude in beer i i don't recall and look this is not like saying it didn't exist i'm not oh, trying no. to say you're wrong but i'm saying i personally hadn't seen it anywhere else yeah at least consistently maybe someone might have done it one time but i can't think of anyone I trying to get better i didn't yeah we were working with like a third party mm -hmm. uh content company who like their job was to do video do photography and all that like we were doing it for a while and then it got to a point where we're like i mean we worked with uc for a little bit doing some photography for us and that kind of stuff some ads like, i think or something yeah and we're like, <clears throat> yep we need to be better at this stuff and when I'm square not. wheels hit lcbo that's when we did yeah. that shit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's up but we're like Myself, Travis, Caitlin, Mike, like we didn't have, we don't have the capabilities to do what we felt like we needed to do. So we hired a company. Uh, I mean, I say company, it was like, you know, they are a company, but it's like friends of ours who had come to the brewery a bunch and made videos for the town of Whitby and <clears throat> had always kind of pitched us on like, oh, we could do some videos for you and stuff. And so we got talking to them, hired them. They're awesome. They've moved Super on. Super high quality. They have like, They've moved on, and we actually have a new guy, Jason, who came in, who used to actually work for Fairweather. And um, I know he, him. That was the guy we met. That was the guy we met. Yeah, that day. So okay, they've kind of like he's kind of like seamlessly taken that over. Um, but the video thing has kind of become like a thing that we've done. I'm. I mean, it's not like a, it's not like a like in my opinion, in ways, it's not like a groundbreaking idea. It's really just like uh changing your your uh your release post into a video because instagram tries to bury your pictures so it's just like an inevitability that i think people are gonna gonna do that so i'm stoked that other people are doing it and i think it's awesome 
we get like a lot of a lot of really positive feedback on that stuff and it doesn't take you know, we don't plan it out we literally most of the time it's like we're like hey kiara do you want to do the video for this beer and it's like they're set up ready to film somebody but and they're like planned ahead and we're just like searching for someone like you like sours right you want to do this we're like you like bloggers right you want to do this one it's like we're just kind of like flying by the seat of our pants, which I think shows it might look like we're like trying to look like we're flying by the seat of our pants. But um, most days we actually uh, legitimately are. <laughs> are we uh, are. We all are at great. all times, Jeff. Don't even sweat it. Bro. And it's uh, I'm stoked. And and if if we're doing something that other people see that there could be value in doing as well, then that's good. At the end of the day. And. Like you, like I'll I'll call one out, and I don't think they'd be like, and I don't think they would be mad for like for for saying this. But Dominion City do they, they like do something yeah. pretty similar with like with a lot of their posts, and I think they do them quite well. Uh, they're like kind of along the similar like along a similar vein, and like I think to just like you say, it's a really good way of posting it and making it visible with the parameters right. that the Instagram algorithm allows. And that's what I mean. I don't know that uh like you know they're probably not being like hey town's doing this so we should do it they're probably going hey we've noticed because we look at our social media performance that no one's looking at pictures anymore and they're looking at videos like we should probably turn our pictures into videos right yeah. like they're probably not just like they're probably not being like town's doing it we should do this they're probably spending enough time on their business that they're noticing that it's like, oh, video is the way that people are, you're capturing people's attention. Um, and that's why they're doing it. And they're doing a good no, job. I, of it. And they've done- I, I think you're right. I think you're right. And they've done stuff that, um, they're actually one uh, brewery that we look to all the time. It's like, they're like, uh, they're, they do a very good job. They yeah. do a very good job as a collect as a as a whole. Their their beer, their community, they they have a very clear vision and mission, um, and they stick to it. And they don't. Um, they that that's the kind of thing like they do um, their water, and it's like it it is a, it feels as a very Dominion City thing. It's not like why they, it, it it makes a lot of sense. You know, it it's fits. Not, it really you know, fits. You never question no. it. They do a great job. And Josh is like the nicest dude ever. Oh um, my God. He, yeah. Uh, like, absolutely. They're, they're, I, they're like the epitome of the community, um, like, stakeholder. They're, they, they're, they're, they're a community leader. Like, they, they're awesome. I love going to that brewery. I love talking to those uh, guys and girls. And I, yeah, they're, 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 they're great. Yeah. I, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, like, like they're one of my hometown faves. Like, yeah. I, like, a hundred percent. They're, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm I'm right here in Ottawa, and uh, like they're like exactly like you said, some of the nicest human beings in the scene. They're, they're, like Josh, Josh is an absolute sweetheart. Uh, like Scott's, uh, like Scott's the man. Like, like it's just such a good team there. Everyone, oh, yeah. absolutely everyone. Big time. That's what I get. Like we've never collabed with them, but I get the same vibe there as I get when I when I hang out at Fairweather. 
Should absolutely, they should absolutely collab with them. Like, like a Dominion Town collab would like would fit a hundred percent. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, they're they're awesome. Then Sunsplit was one of the first. Well, not one of the first beers that like got me into craft beer, but it that it was one of the first like staple New England IPAs that I knew was just nails every time. Like it was that. a ground bake. It was a ground baking beer in Ontario. Oh yeah, big time. And it's, uh, uh, it's a great yeah. brand, great name, great liquid, everything about it. It sure is. You know, you, you know what I'm thinking? Collab square split. Square split. Sun sun wheels. Yeah, there you go. Either yeah. like either works just fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pitch it to Josh. Yeah. We'll have to have a talk with him. <laughs> See, what do you think about that? We're going to do. Oh, uh, I love it. Sun wheels. Sun split and square wheels collabo. Have you, is that just discovered now or is, uh, yeah, that was just spitballed right on the spot here. I feel like we're going to get Scotty on the phone. We're like, look, mate, this was happening. Josh going to be like, fucking let's do it. <laughs> They're a bunch of good blokes. They would yeah. not be, uh, averse, uh, to, to that. I think phrases. The couch full of dads to be like, I, I got a feeling that that was one of the first full first um, beers that I'd seen of the recipe mashups. Oh no. Den full of dads. Den, Den full of, of dads. dads. Is what, is what, is I'm what so sorry. Yeah. The third moon yeah. collab. Oh, like, ours and then Den of Thieves. Yes. Yeah. From third moon. Yeah. I'm like, that was like one of the first one. I don't recall seeing one before then. I'm not saying that you invented um, it, but I, I love the whole concept of that. Yeah. I love the whole like I love the whole concept of that too, and uh, like ooh, the, like only one precursor to that that I can think of is Dominion and Sawdust did a uh, like did a mashup of uh, like of Sunsplit and Juicin. Oh, um, yeah. What was that called? Uh, what uh, it was called Splitting is what it was called. Nice. Which side, DC or? Uh, uh, that was on the uh, yeah, that was on the Dominion side. Smart. I love that. I just think it's such a cool uh, approach to a collab, and I've seen it a lot since. But I personally noticed it the first time with the uh, Den Full of Dads. And, Den Full um, of Dads was great. I fucking love that. And even just the Couch Full of both the original beers are spectacular. It's just so sick. Um, what I've noticed lately is that like collabs went away for a bit, and now that we're doing them again, I feel like uh, whether it's just that maybe I'm more involved now. <laughs> I was in the past, but I feel like the collabs in general are more involved. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, thoughtful. We they're thoughtful. Do, we still do get together, <clears throat> just like kind of drink beers while like the brewers are brewing the beer and don't really do a lot. But <laughs> I feel like there's like, hey, let's do a home and home. Like I, every beer we've done this year, I'm pretty sure every collab has been a home and home. It's like, does that mean one each side? Yeah, we're doing one here, we're doing one there. I, and I like, think that's the best way. And it's like, a lot of them, it's like, let's release the same week, or like like us and GLB mm -hmm. released uh, yesterday, or like a week apart, or two weeks apart. Like, we released our La Push two weeks ago, and Fairweather released their La Push last week. And it's like, it's, you know, it's a whole thing. It's, let's get together, let's talk, let's find things that you do that we don't, that we should be doing and vice versa and let's cross market and like yeah 
Washington. We're in Whippy. And literally, like I was talking about, you know, this entire time, getting more people to drink your beer. Well, it's like we have legit customers in Whippy who only drink our beer outside of macro. So it's like, tell them about Fairweather. Like, let's let's like get this thing going again. And it's just been, yeah, it's been super fun. It's like, um, it's just like goes back to pre, like, again, talking pre COVID and like all the things that like we got into this industry for these, these collabs are like a huge reminder of that. And it's again, like a super, um, positive, uh, like outlook on the industry, knowing that like all these fantastic people are out there crushing. Yeah. I think that um, it, like especially in 2020 and early 2021, that like a lot of virtual collabs really exploded during that time, as you know. Yeah. And it, it like and I remember like a lot of pessimistic people would throw a lot of shade at that of the of like like oh a virtual collab like you know like any like anyone can hop on a Zoom call and shit like and share a recipe or whatnot. But I think that like. For the like for people who know, uh, like who know the owners and the uh, like and the brewers uh, and like talking to folks like yourself, there's so much more going on to it than that. And kind of having conversations that uh, like that we've had over the last uh, like over the last month with people like um, like Jen Tamsey of Beer Town, who have kind of coordinated some uh, like some kind of three way collabs even. Uh, like between them and uh, like and Sawdust and Third Moon, and we're talking with uh, like with Evan from the Wheeled Brew, and kind of how he's like his involvement with some collabs and whatnot. There are certain collaborations that happen <laughs> where like it is really it, like it is so much more than just hopping on a Zoom call or sharing a recipe. They, like there are certain collabs that happen where people don't get involved with it unless they've got something to learn from it. Mm. And like, like the knowledge sharing that can happen from this cannot be understated. It's like, it's such, it's such bullshit to me to kind of wave that away as just like hopping on a zoom call as a marketing gimmick. Not to say that that doesn't happen in some, like in some sense, like it had, like, like it probably has to happen, in, uh, the, like to some degree, because there's always going to be bad actors in, uh, the, like, in any scene. But to people who take this shit seriously, there's always going to be knowledge sharing that happens. It, uh, like, that happens in those things who are taking it seriously. To kind of, it's one of those things that really drives the industry forward. Like you know, for, like for people like yourself who are collabing with Fairweather there's got to be some knowledge sharing going like going on there. And like both of you are going to come, like come away from that producing a West coast IPA. That's going to be all the more bomb the next time you guys do like guys do your own one. Or if you're collabing with badlands, the kind of knowledge of hop usage that might like that one or both of you might come away with on that. There's like, there's only so much positive that can come away from that. hundred percent. It's just making yeah we have like we can always make better beer yeah and and getting together and talking to people who are already making great beer uh will only allow us to make better beer and it's just like yeah it's 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 a it's it's a huge huge part i think of one of the things that drew us all in 
And uh, it went away for a while. And now like we're really on a mission for at least us to like really bring it back into the fold and make it a thing that we do. And it's like, like I talked about, like good work, good times. Like both of those things are like summed up by a collab. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's uh, like I said, we just, we, we're not in trouble, but if we don't band together, we won't be in as good of a spot as we can be. And I think that like all of us will benefit from it in more ways than one. Mm. It's going to be more enjoyable. We're going to have more success. We're going to be able to grow. We're going to be able to reach more people. We're going to be able to bring in um, more people from different walks of life. If we all just uh, get on the same page and are all working towards the same kind of goal, which is, making the best beer possible for everyone that we possibly can. Preach, bro. I I couldn't agree more. I really think that's the ethos of everything. It's always been the craft beer way. And like we were all sort of saying that maybe, you know, over COVID it kind of didn't eventuate as much just from limitations where, you know, whether some people didn't want to do collabs over email or zoom or whatever, but now it's coming back into that. It's that, community that's really doing it that it's really you know because who knows what it could eventuate a collab is one thing and that's great and that's a marketing exercise and it's like phenomenal beer exercise and then there's a knowledge sharing as nate you just really well uh, put before but there's who knows what could happen maybe there's an event maybe there's a charitable aspect maybe there's a whatever it could be those you know there's so many things that could come out of working together in in and all of this comes out of not working together exactly why the fuck and, and like what other industry does this nothing no no none yeah and and i think it's easy i think it's easy to be on shirts <laughs> go on go on jeff please i i don't want to interrupt no, you. i'm just saying that's the other reason that other industries don't have people grabbing shirts and pulling people in saying like you got to fucking experience this it's not real <laughs> Like that's, that's kind of why, and it's kind of how I got in and it's kind of how I dragged my friends in and, and, you know, you don't, you, you don't want to have the, the, the actual physical nature of dragging people in. But like we said, like, if no one tells people about it, then no one's going to tell anyone about it. So yeah, no one will hear about it. So anyways. No, that's just it. It's, I, I find it's really easy to be pessimistic about this shit and a lot of uh, like, and there are like, and there are some people who are, I'm not even going to say a lot of people who are like, like, but just some, some loud minorities like have a tendency to be pessimistic about stuff like this in the industry and it doesn't serve anything. Mm -hmm. Um, there's like, I mean, there's always going to be like people who half ass it and uh, like, and there's always going to be bad actors in it. But I think, there's so much positive to be taken from interactions like uh, like collaborations, whether they're virtual or whether they're in person. And the, like the kind of like whether it's knowledge sharing, whether it's relationship building, whether it's uh, like kind of sharing strategies on how to like on how to make the industry better, how to bring in more like how to bring in more people, whether it's and, you know, that like brings in collabs like link up and everything that uh, like, like that goes along with that things to build the industry. There's so much to be learned there and so much that everyone in the scene can learn from this. 
like, I don't see the point in being pessimistic about it. Like, cause there's so much good that can come out of it. Yeah. Being pessimistic, being pessimistic gets us nowhere. So nowhere yeah. at all. It's like, even like even thinking even from BOS, we've been around for eight years as far as the pod and we haven't wavered for a second. I, I wholeheartedly believe in craft beer. Yeah. We know the people behind craft beer and that's what we believe in. We believe in the people and like people like you, Jeff, and and all of your peers in the industry are the backbone of this shit. And you're putting your money up, your time, your energy. You're hiring people from the community. You are the community hub. Like, I think the like, you know, I know we're talking about alcohol, and alcohol is a fun little drug, blah blah blah. You know, but like, like it, craft beer is so much more than that. And I think that's like it's it's meaningful for the communities that they are that they exist in and they think they contribute positive uh net a net positive at the end of the day and bro like like i said before like if you really look at it there was a fucking depression a hundred years ago and it's cool we got this it's a rough time and hopefully the rough time will won't be that much longer and then we're just gonna you know keep going and the way to keep going on like you have really espoused that if I'm really taking like a lesson out of this episode, I feel like it's community as far as breweries working together. Cause we all know, you know, we, you know, in, during the link up episodes, we really talk about community and, you know, the drinkers and bringing different people. And I think that's really important, but we don't really talk so much about the community between the breweries. And I, you've been a shining example of what that can look like. And there's so many amazing collabs that you guys have done. And it's just like, I don't know. Once again, looking from the outside in, it just looks like, man, like town is fucking everywhere. And they're working with these, like, once again, I saw you guys as a two month old brand. And then now you're doing shit with Great Lakes and Badlands and Fairweather and, and, and blah, blah, like so many different breweries that you've worked with. It's spectacular to see and it, it's inspiring. And I think other breweries should be inspired by that. And I hope that, that people keep doing that. If they're already doing it, keep doing it. If they haven't done it, then look at breweries like Town and, and others that are doing it and get involved and reach out and, you know, talk to people and make friends and, and spread the brand thing because it's the only fucking industry where brands can promote each other equally without any hesitancy. Like it's, it's for the betterment of town that another brewery is bigger because it's a part of this whole community of, of thing that we need, you know, to create, to drive those drinkers because inherently the drinkers are going to want more than just one brewery. It's just what it is for the most part. Obviously there's those locals, but like you mentioned, oh, but for sure. like, we're literally like, I, I, and we're literally nothing without our peers. Like we're nothing without the other breweries. We're, I say this at the brewery too. We're, we're nothing without our staff. We're nothing without our customers. I mean, like, I know that sounds like a pretty obvious thing. We're nothing without our customers, but like we're literally nothing without our like diehard customers who le legit will like do whatever. Like they just like they feel as though they're a part of the group. We're nothing without them. We're nothing without our staff. We're nothing without our peers. We're just like we are not a standalone business. We'll never survive as a standalone business. We are a piece of a community where we are a piece of an industry we're a piece of a i don't I dare to say movement you know but like it's like That's we fair. are one, one piece of something 
And I feel as though what we each of these pieces that create this thing need to uh, just need to really pay attention and really need to focus and and we we if we all stick together we'll 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 succeed and we'll continue to grow and it'll be it'll be amazing but uh but we're just like yeah we're 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 a part of a community we can be a community hub in whippy but we are part of a larger community in the whole and it's just like it's uh it's legitimately just like a great community to be a part of oh yeah anyone says ever let's go i love that this is beautiful man um I feel like uh, I'm just conscious of the time and everything, but this is, this has been a, such a this is it. We hit almost three and a half hours, which uh, I'm not surprised at all that we would uh, we would be yapping. I know you had a long day today, um, yeah. dude. This is this is this has been really really cool. It's always just cool to reconnect. I feel like we should do this significantly more often. But like it's just you know we're really proud of you, man. Like I fuck with you so heavy. You're such a G. You're such a lovely human being and. I, I love the brand. I know Nate feels the same way. And it's, it's it's just so cool to watch you guys go from strength to strength with all new thing. You know, this pump house uh, facility that's – when is that opening, by the way? Did we talk about that? Uh, June 30th. June 30th. <laughs> right, so that's coming up. That's coming up. That's yeah. six days. It's like a week. It's like, yeah, it's it's coming. It's, it's going to be sick, though. Uh, Cole's Notes version, it's like a 6,000-square-foot outdoor patio on literally 50 feet from Lake Ontario. The only thing that separates the patio from the lake is a beach. It right in Whitby, a kilometer from the brew. I love Amazing. it. Amazing. It's, like it's called the pump house. All summer long, town, um, summer, cider. Town, cider. We got seltzers. We got wine. We food? got music. We got people. There's a food truck 50 feet away. Money. Uh, it's nails. Yeah. Pay, just pay attention to our socials. It'll be all over our socials all summer. It's so cool, bro. I'm just, I'm just like, man, congrats on everything, dude. You're a fucking, thank you. There's a word I'm not allowed to say on this podcast that I want to say, you know what, what that is, but you are, <laughs> you are a good one of those. And, um, <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm just like, it's so cool, bro. Uh, I'm excited to come and visit uh, this summer because now it's not that far. So um, where can everybody find Town, the Pump House, online? Town you know? Brewery on Instagram and www.townbrewery.ca. I think all the shit on the Pump House. I think we got a Pump House page on the on the uh, website now. Travis, okay, if so. not, fucking get it on there. <laughs> Shouts to Travis. No, Hardworking no, men. He already, he already screenshotted me the fucking uh, the tab, but uh, no, yeah, just the website, Instagram, follow our Instagram. That's the easiest way to do it. I'm too old for TikTok, but I think we have one. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, we're just yeah. Follow us. Follow every brewery in Ontario. Go buy their fucking beer. Support their events. Support all their shit, and we will continue to uh, thrive. Let's thrive again. You are a Preach. selfless individual. Let's take a screenshot Preach. for the thumbnail, by the way. Do you want to hold up some cans, boys? Uh, I got a few here. Oh, yeah. Hold up as many as you can fit in your little mitts, my guy. I can only fit a couple in my stupid hand because I have to hold the keyboard. Oh, yeah. Which way to go here? Uh, don't cover that beautiful face, Jeffrey. That's all I would ask. I feel like the people need to see it. All right, ready? 
Oh, that is sexual. Um, stick around once we wrap up, dude. We'll finish up off air. Um, hey, do I get to do? Do I get to say where I, where like where anyone can find me, or like, or am I just dog shit? Now? I was about to. Can you give me a second? <laughs> wow, Nathaniel, I like see, I like your assertiveness though. This is what we support here. This is a man who's out for what he wants, and I'm goddamn self. I'm a I'm I am for it, Nathaniel. Where can everyone find your gorgeous ass online? <laughs> Oh, okay. Every like everywhere Nathan does beer, I don't tweet much anymore because that place has just gone to shit now. But, it kind of uh, has, but, unfortunately. But, but 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 I'm still on there anyway. Like Instagram primarily at Nathan does beer and uh, and right here at BAOS podcast. The official co-host Nathaniel, I appreciate you, uh, guys. This has been a phenomenal episode. Thank you everyone for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, and hit that motherfucking notification bell, Nathaniel. Ding. So you know when the new episodes drop. Follow us everywhere at BOS Podcast. Check out the long form audio. We drop every Wednesday. Uh, Mondays right now. I don't know. By the time this comes out, maybe the link up episodes would have finished. But Wednesdays, 7 a.m. for the uh, audio for the folks who uh, travel to, you know, the commute to work. And then 8 p.m. in the evening for the uh, the video. Um, check us at Five Glorious Stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because that's what Jeffrey would want you to do. And that's what Nathaniel wants you to do. Um, you know, we're trying to spread the stories of the beautiful humans behind craft beer in Ontario, Quebec, and Canada, US, and beyond. Uh, Jeffrey, thank you so much for hanging out. This is amazing. Go support town, support craft beer. We'll see you guys at the pump house this summer, and we'll see you in the next episode, guys. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>